Thursday, March the 30th, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. I mentioned that the schedule is going to be a little uh, little wonky this week as we recorded a podcast just the other day. We'll have another one here, and then we'll sort of get back into the normal swing of things next week. My schedule's been a little bit off. We've been very sick, and we had a, a loss in the family. My Uncle Ed was very close, so we have a funeral coming up. Um, on Thursday and a lot of family in town and, and dealing with a lot of that over the last week or so. But I really appreciate everyone reaching out. Lots of uh, nice messages hearing from everyone out there. My uncle was the lead coroner. Um, he worked at uh, Arcadia PD as a police officer for years. He actually was sec- uh, worked security at the racetrack for a while. And then afterwards, he was a lead coroner in the LA County and, and dealt with uh, some really, really big cases. And uh, he was just a great, a great guy. So uh, we'll be sad to, you know, have that that uh, uh, really rough day on Thursday coming up. But we have a lot to talk about on this episode of That's What G Said because we are just a few days out from WrestleMania. We've got the WrestleMania roundtable for you. Andrew Champagne, Darren Zocali from the old Wrestling Rewatch, and Chad Cooper from This Week in Wrestling. All of them combined come together on this show, and we go through every match on the card for both nights of WrestleMania 39, which is this week, Saturday and Sunday, and we give you our thoughts, predictions, preview every match. Chad talks about some of the odds for these uh, matches. Following that, Barry the Sniper Spears, our good buddy, he's going to help us handicap the Florida Derby card for Saturday at Gulfstream Park. It's the Florida Derby, Kentucky Derby points on the line, and we share some thoughts on all of the stakes races. There are 10 stakes races, 5 graded stakes races on a 14 race card. We're going to give you thoughts on all 10 of those stakes races. So you'll get the WrestleMania Roundtable everything you need to be prepped for WrestleMania this weekend, and then you'll get all set up for the Saturday Gulfstream Park card with thoughts on all 10 of the stakes races there with Barry Spears. If you need some help with Oaklawn Racing for Saturday, well, that was on the last episode, if that's what G said. We also covered episodes 3 and 4 of The Mandalorian, if you want to dive into that. So we've got a ton spread out on a few different shows this week. But this episode is presented by BetterThan.Vegas at BTV Bets. Go give them a follow right now at BTV Bets on Twitter and check out all the great free information you can get anytime you need help playing a game. Head on over to BTV Bets, see what some of the experts over there think. Let's dive into the WrestleMania Roundtable. Andrew Champagne, Darren Zocali. We have Chad Loop, Chad Cooper. Everybody gives their thoughts on each match for night one, for night two. It's the WrestleMania Roundtable. Special edition of That's What G Said for a WrestleMania Roundtable here. And we're going to try to uh, stream this one onto the social media platforms. The last couple times we haven't been able to because when we do the Royal Rumble Roundtable, we go too long. I think it needs to be like under two hours when we have Darren Zocali, Andrew Champagne, Chad Cooper here. We all love wrestling. We all have a strong opinion and we're ready to talk about everything WrestleMania 39. So DZ, my friend. Big week ahead. Uh, give us some overall thoughts. How have you felt about the build to this year's WrestleMania? I think it's been relatively solid. Um, some of the matches, you know, leave me a bit flat. The Lesnar Omos match, I, I just don't understand at all. Um, I have some concerns about the main event that we'll that we'll talk about when we get there. 
obviously all the stories related to the bloodline, the Usos and Zane and, and Owens has been phenomenal. Um, the intercontinental title picture. I thought what they did at SmackDown came together. Well, I'm looking forward to that triple threat match. Uh, I would say more positive than, than negative. Uh, it certainly has some matches on the card um, that could make it a, a very good show, but there are a couple of issues that I think they need to uh, traverse rather carefully and uh, not book themselves into a corner. Andrew Champagne, buddy, two nights of WrestleMania. And we're going to look through the card with uh, all the matches that have been listed at Wikipedia. I don't think we're going to have any other surprises. It looks like we'll have the Andre the Giant Battle Royal on Friday that SmackDown. They're going to do the Hall of Fame right after SmackDown. So we should have like six matches one night, maybe seven matches the other night, which is which is really solid. Like the formats changed a little bit too with, with triple H taking over. So how have you felt about the buildup and just sort of what we see with the way these couple nights um, could play out? No surprises. You mean Goldberg's not showing up for this one. You're going to have to come on the AEW pod with me and Cooper. If you want to talk about Goldberg soon, Um, right? (laughs) Yeah. My my go-to joke designed to get Darren Zocali's blood boiling is uh, nearing its conclusion, I think, but on a serious note, I feel different about this build to WrestleMania. It's a little bit, off from what we've seen in past years because you can tell Triple H is putting his imprint on the product. Much was made when news broke a couple of weeks ago that Triple H was downsizing the WrestleMania card in terms of the number of matches. That's a stark departure from the prior administration, which in some WrestleManias really bloated the card. In fact, in some instances, there were some that were incredibly overbooked to where no match got above eight minutes other than the main event. So it's a little bit of a trade-off there. But one of the things I'm interested in, there are a lot of matches on this two-day extravaganza where the booking seems obvious. And my bold prediction is, I don't know where it's coming, but in at least one occasion, we're going to get swerved based on what the obvious in quotes thing is versus what we actually get, which match that is. I don't know. There are a couple of options and we'll go through it, but it certainly seems like there are defined winners and losers days before the event on a couple of occasions. And there were some instances last year where it looked that way. And in at least one of them, we wound up getting swerved and thrown for a loop. Coop Loop, what do you think uh, about how it's all come together for WrestleMania and just the way that, you know, the way that Triple H has been, you know, calling the, calling the plays. He's been in charge now from, what, SummerSlam through Mania. So this is going to be really the first time where, yeah, like, like Andrew was saying, you can feel his imprints on everything. He feels like he really is getting to make all the decisions now. Um, overall feel coming into WrestleMania. Are you pumped? Are you excited? I'm excited. Uh, I think the build has been relatively strong, the top portion in certain matches. Um, if, if this was a one-night event, I would be very concerned about some of these matches because the build just has been very lackluster, including a title match or two. 
you can definitely feel the the changing of the guard here um, with professional wrestling. I'm not a fan of a, a dual night for WrestleMania. I'm old school. I, I like the the one night event, even if it's a lot of matches and you have a lot of you know dead spots in the crowd. They're tired. I, I just think it it makes it more special. But I understand why they do it. You know, money. You know corporate sponsors and if you can do it you can do it but uh, a strong build from the top um I, I i agree there there's some obvious uh booked matches here that kind of concern me a little bit but uh that that's what uh, mania week is for there's a there's a lot of good things here I, i'm very disappointed in the andre the giant memorial battle royal here I, i'm a massive Andre the Giant fan. I don't like the way this has been booked from day I mean, one. Remember that first like year, and they were yeah, how big a deal that was. Yeah, they made it seem like yeah. a huge deal. And it's and it's not on Mania. And when you think about Mania, for me, I I go back to WrestleMania three with Hogan Andre. That that's me. But I, I just feel like it, it's been kind of you know. And then you know you don't want all these matches. We get these report, and then you know we we start getting showcase matches thrown in here. But uh, nonetheless, uh, it, it's going to be a fun uh, two night ordeal at uh, SoFi Stadium this weekend. So the names that they had listed for the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, which is going to be on Friday night, are led by Bobby Lashley, which is sort of a bummer because Lashley was supposed to have something and be a big part of WrestleMania. He was going to have something with Bray Wyatt, reports about Bray Wyatt getting hurt, uh, also different rumors. But uh, basically everybody that doesn't have a match is going to end up in that Battle Royal uh, our guy, LA Knight, I'd love to see him make some noise there. He'd be someone who could just sort of, you know, use that and then go on and, uh, and, you know, uh, talk about how he, you know, he's the man who won that. I could see him show up at WrestleMania, cut a promo, get interrupted. Gargano, Dexter Loomis, Rick Boogs, Dolph Ziggler, Elias, Mustafa Ali, Xavier Woods, Madcap Moss, Gallows and Anderson, Baron Corbin, Bronson Reed, Karrion Cross, Cedric Alexander, Shelton Benjamin, Masse, Mansois. Top Dollar, Ashante, The Adonis, Ridge Holland, Butch, uh, Angel Garza, Humberto Carrillo, Santos Escobar, Joaquin Wild, Cruz del Toro. That's the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. That's on Friday. Not really uh, on the two-night card of WrestleMania, but something that has been in many years. And for the first time ever, I'm going to WrestleMania this year. Very excited about that. Night one of WrestleMania, I'll be there. It's here uh, in Southern California at SoFi, so... Um, never had the chance. I think I've only been like one or two pay-per-views that I can remember to lots of Monday night Raws from when they were around and, uh, and SmackDowns and live events, but just not a whole ton of pay-per-views through the year. So this will be a blast for me and DZ. We do know what is going to kick off night one and open the show. Austin theory versus John Cena. John Cena showed back up a few weeks ago and just tore Austin theory apart, came at him. Austin Theory didn't even really get much of a rebuttal. And initially, John Cena was like, I'm not going to wrestle you. You haven't earned it. No, you're beneath me. And then he sort of, uh, he twisted it and said, well, the crowd wants it, so I'll get into it. And we haven't seen John again. I, I really did like what they uh, what what they had Austin Theory do on Monday Night Raw this week. He cut a promo inside an empty arena, which felt sort of like an old school territory thing to do. And he said, you know, I don't care about the fans out there. John, I really don't even care about trying to be you, anything like that. Um, this is going to be a big moment for me. You're not taking me seriously. I thought it was cool. It was a little unique. It was a little different. What do you think about the uh, the build to this match and, uh, and Theory versus Cena? 
Yeah, I, I've liked the build. Um, you know, Theory, I think, has done great work the last, you know, four to six months in this heel role. Um, the stuff that he did with, with Roman after Vince left, and he said, you know, your daddy's not here anymore, and how things have kind of tr- moved down the line from there. Normally, when Cena shows up in a spot like this, it's to put over young talent. That would seem like the obvious thing here. But having this match starting the Saturday night, I wonder if this is going to end with a potential Cena pop getting a win. Maybe he wins and he drops it back quick in the following week. It's it's an interesting. I would have thought that Rollins and Logan Paul would have been the first match. Um, that seemed like the obvious to me. So, or one of the two women's championship matches. Mm-hmm. The fact that they put this number one tells me that you know it's been the new thing that they've been doing lately, where they want to kick things off with a real bang. Um, and theory winning here, I don't think accomplishes that. So. I- I can see I, him getting the win back at yeah. the, at some point, like we're saying, if especially if Cena is around for a little bit. Yeah. But I kind of agree with you. I I don't know if it's immediately just a theory, like clean win and move on here. I, I, I agree. Yeah. I don't know, Andrew. Where, where are you leaning on this one? Well, I think we're overlooking the obvious, which is this match is first on the card because John Cena wants to beat the traffic. There you go. You're right. Waka, waka, waka. Well done. And and we can for sure say that the way that they've situated things now with Friday night with the um the Andre the Giant and the fact that for the entire Triple H era now, they haven't had pre-show matches anymore. They just right. have a pre-show. So they're doing this so that way the first thing that I think anybody hears is John Cena's music. Yeah, and I understand from that aspect of it this smells a little bit to me. A, because I think the United States Championship, the supposed stakes for the match, are beneath a guy like John Cena. Why would he care? This is a guy that's acting in two or three movies a year, making boatloads of money, lip-syncing to lyrics on Experian commercials, very badly, I might add. If you watch that commercial (laughs) that aired hundreds of times during March Madness, none of the audio lines up, and whoever lined that up ought to be ashamed of themselves. But why would John Cena care about this? Like, in a perfect world, when Cena came out and did the, well, why would I want a match here? Austin Theory would have kicked the crap out of him. Austin Theory would have said, notice me in big, bold letters and done something, maybe busted him open, maybe done something talking about how one of his movies was awful. I don't know. Something more than that. I understand the purpose eventually is going to be to put over Austin Theory, which I like because Austin Theory has been dealt a pretty weird hand. In his WWE tenure, the guy is a future star if he's booked correctly. I mean, how many guys have we said that about over the past five or six years? And it turns out they're not booked correctly and they wind up going elsewhere or getting shunted down the card. But I agree with Darren on this. If you're starting WrestleMania with a pop, doesn't that mean Cena wins? And if Cena wins, what does he have to gain and what does Austin Theory have to lose? It is a little weird, like you're booked into the corner. And it's, it's again, if you have Cena for a, a few weeks or a month where 
this was the start. You're going to have him have a match or two and then eventually get it back to theory. I guess theory can gain something back there, but you're right. If it's just theory coming here and losing, not sure. Koopa loop. Where do we stand with this one? Austin theory, John Cena. How many times have we seen John Cena as a, as an underdog uh, in WrestleMania matches? Not too often. If you know, if you, if you look at the opening lines here, uh, this tells you that Theory is probably going to win. I did find a, an interesting betting line here. Uh, there's six title matches, I do believe, Gino, at WrestleMania on both nights. Correct me if I'm wrong. In the over-under of title changes uh, set by one book uh, is four and a half. I, I, don't think this is, I, I don't think this is a title match change here. I, I think Theory wins. I, I think, you know, I, I don't know. I think we're looking too much in this. I would be surprised if John Cena wins the United States title. And I agree. Um, I, I just don't know what good it would do uh, for John Cena to win the title and theory to lose the opening match at WrestleMania. I think they'll go different here. I think Cena's entrance may be pretty cool here to kick off WrestleMania. That's one thing I really love about this big show is the entrances, but I'm all Austin theory here. I, I think this kid, not only a future star, I think he's a star now. He's one of the, the top heels uh, on the roster. How, real quick, how many title matches in total are there? Is it six? Yes. It's, yeah. So, so you got four, the U- four and a half is a That's big a, number. I know for six, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got yeah. Four maybe. I think four is probably the right number. Four and a half seems like they're trying to juice the under a little. Well, because <laughs> does something does something happen like Darren? You were almost getting there. The fact that this is so early on night one, could there be a possibility of John Cena? throwing this title up for grabs the next night or or, or Monday Night Raw? Or do we get the women, which we're going to talk about in a second? I could see after the six-woman tag, I could see something like Ronda and Shayna winning that women's showcase match night two and then challenging Becky and Lita for the tag team titles right then. Something along those lines. And so we maybe have an extra title match that we don't even know is on the card, then I I could see it going over there. And maybe there's something like that um, that's out there. But I I could see Cena winning this thing and then doing an open challenge on Monday night, having a bank, like having just a cool interaction with someone. Um, Yeah, I'm going to lean, I'm going to lean Cena for this one. Uh, Gino, can I I make a point? Please do. Can can we factor in if if all the odds are pointing towards Bobby well, so Lashley what is, winning, what is, winning yeah. this battle royal? Does he show up the next night and is, get involved in this with Theory, or is that what? I, yeah, does he afterwards call out Cena or something like that? Right, and then we could get that at an on night too. But is that a lot to ask of John Cena, who's not in shape? It is. Just be pulling <laughs> double. Du- hey Cena, by the way, you're gonna pull double duty, and then Lashley the next night. But that could be a way to get it from to Cena to then Lashley the next night. I don't know if that was something they would even want to do, but what, but they, but then again, what does that do for theory? So, um, Andrew, let's start with you on this next one. Let's go. Uh, now w- what's weird about this. We were looking at Wikipedia, so I don't, this isn't for sure, but just based on what they've announced, they definitely announced theory. Cena was going to kick things off and they for sure announced that Charlotte and Rhea would be on night one. Charlotte's mentioned that. Now, I don't think they themselves have said that was going to main event. There have been rumors of it, but it seems so weird to me that they would have both women's title matches yeah, on the same night. I agree. That just doesn't seem 
to make sense unless they were purposely planning on doing something and with the bloodline and having both the Usos match and the like the main event on night two for a specific reason. Um, or like I said, if maybe they end up having a double women's match, like after the women's showcase on night two, they have Becky and, and live work, you know, work double duty, but it still wouldn't make sense to me. And the other thing that doesn't make sense to me either is I don't think either of the matches are quite hot enough to main event. I think they want to do that because they like the, the way it looks. It's great. Having one women's match on one of the nights just looks really good. You have yeah. a bunch of talented women. Um, it makes sense, but you really, fe- it really I, feels like if they can do the Usos, I, that, versus, that, I right? thought that had to be the main event. Me too. Everything. I thought, it, that, and and, I, and who knows if they do or they adjust, but if they somehow can stop and just say, "Hey, look, this is as hot of a tag feud as we've had in so long," like it's sort of a consolation for Sami Zayn. Um, but we don't know. Do they have a plan and they wanted to do everything with that on those same night? Do they want to maybe have all those I, titles lost? I, I, I think I think that should be your main event on Saturday. And I think I think Bianca Belair kicks off Sunday is the first match. That that's personally what I would do. I would do too. I think you flip flop Bianca and Oscar and you put that on Sunday, and then absolutely you have the Usos versus KO and uh, and Sammy closing out. Guys, so we-, we have a really big problem here. All yeah. three of us agree that needs to not happen. I, I know. It's ever happened in the three years we've been doing this now. I think that might be a first. Tuesday, March 28th, 6 Jot it down. I'm here on the West Coast. Everybody agrees. Jot it down. So, okay, Andrew, let's go to the, uh, the Seth freaking Rollins-Logan Paul match. And it's so refreshing to see Logan Paul play the role he should have been playing all along. Now, we cannot critique any of the in-ring work that this guy's done. He has been as impressive as any celebrity uh, has been in the WWE. You could put him right up on any short list. He's, he takes it seriously. Uh, he's trained hard. And so as a fan, I appreciate that. It just didn't feel right when he was trying to be a baby face and, it sounded like it was something that he wanted. Now when he comes out and just leans into the heel role, which is so natural for him, the roles are perfect here. This is something that makes more sense. I think than Logan versus John Cena, because Seth Rollins is just in better shape right now. Um, He's a little bit safer of a worker at this point. And Seth being around more, I was reading that they have an opportunity to sort of like work on this match a little bit more Seth and Logan. I think this is going to be a blast. Seth Rollins is as over as he's ever been. That crowd is going to be awesome singing his song that night. And this should be a good spot for Seth to get a win because while he's really over right now, he hasn't been stacking a lot of wins over the last year. And he could use a win or two in a match like this. This will be great for Logan to do some really impressive stuff. And and that's what I think this should be for both of these guys. So can we talk for just a moment? Gino, you hinted at this. When Logan Paul signed with WWE, allegedly his contract included a clause that said he was required a babyface run. There was no one on the planet 
besides Logan <laughs> Paul that God. wanted Logan Paul to be a babyface. The guy is a born heel. He's got more money than God. He's got a very punchable face and goes out of his way to be the most unlikable douchebag imaginable. But you got to give him credit because he may have had the best rookie year in the history of professional wrestling. And that's, I understand, yeah. a very large statement. But what did he do wrong? In three matches, he has done more than just about any rookie in the history of the industry. That's kind of amazing when you think about it. Now, one thing that I'm going to float for the group here is it's come out that Logan Paul's WWE contract is up after this WrestleMania. Now, obviously, they could renew stuff. It seems like it's a mutually beneficial relationship for everybody. It seems like a no-brainer that WWE and Logan Paul would come back to the table and say, okay, let's keep this going. Does that affect the booking of this match? I don't think so. Me neither, but in just mentioning the way that he came in wanting to be a babyface, does something like winning a scripted pro wrestling match matter to him? It's a very good question. I mean, it's not like he's been stacking up a lot of wins either. No. You know? So this I'm looking forward to, again, for as much as we can bash Logan Paul, the human being, and the rest of the family. And by the way, please, for the love of God, I don't want to see Jake Paul at WrestleMania. <laughs> I would prefer not to see Jake Paul or any of the other members of the Paul family at all whatsoever. Please no. Please no. Which, of course, means we're going to wind up seeing the Paul family at WrestleMania. That's I, just how things work. But this is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to seeing what Seth and Logan can do. I think this is a sleeper candidate for best match of the night. I, I do think I agree. I think it gets steal the night. I, I do think Seth Rollins needs a pay-per-view win, though. Yeah. yeah. He, he has gone through a stretch, you know, where, where he just I think he won beat. one match last year on pay-per-view. Yeah. In the last I mean, 12 months. If they're, you know, if they're going to fire him up, you know, uh, and, and, and do something big with him at some point this year, he's got, he's got to have a WrestleMania win. And, um, you know, and I mean, he hasn't well, had a WrestleMania win in a while either. Right. He hasn't had a win uh, th like in the last since, calendar year on pay-per-view, but he hasn't had a mania win in a while not since Brock uh, in the universal title. That was the last one. He lost yeah. to Cesaro at mania. He lost to Kevin Owens at mania and then he lost last year at mania to cody um in the last three manias prior so he I, he needs it because it's the time he's over he's as natural more over naturally than he's ever been right now but like he's the crowd's always like that like he's always been a top guy but there have been times where it's like eh, he's not really a baby face or he's not really connecting but the crowd just loves him right now whether it's because they love singing the song they are really into him, and it's great because he can finally work like a baby face. And Coop, I mean, you know my feelings on Seth Rollins. I've always been Team uh, Team Rollins here. And <laughs> how great was it to see Lo uh, Logan Paul just cut the like the heel promos on Raw? Man, the crowd just hates him, and you could see him being like, "Oh, I know." It, it is. You could watch him like realize that this was so much easier for him than trying to cut a baby face promo. Yeah, and I don't get the the baby face in the contract, but you know, to each his own. I, yeah, match of the night for sure. Heck, this could be match of the weekend. These guys probably are gonna, you know, 
get a lot of time to do a lot of spots. Uh, very impressive. Now, who has the most hated brother? Do, is, is it Jake Paul or is it Jackson Mahomes? Who would you rather oh, see less oh, of? That's a good you know, one. That's you a know, good but, one. Oh. But, but it, do, it, it does add. It does add. Looking at the opening line here, Seth's a solid favorite at minus 500. I agree. Yeah, and you guys were talking, uh, looking up some Seth Rollins stuff. Remember, he cashed in, and I forgot about this, WrestleMania 31, he cashes oh, sure. in the briefcase. Yep. You know, and pins what, Roman Reigns? Yep. I, I After think. losing to uh, Randy earlier in the night. Yeah, with the greatest yeah. RKO of all time. Greatest, Second yeah, greatest yeah. RKO. Don't get us started on that. We just play within two hours. Well, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So th- this is look. Logan Paul is 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 pretty impressive, and yeah, I'm glad uh, you guys had brought it up uh, about Rookie of the Year to only ha- have a handful of matches and to do it on. Big, big shows is pretty impressive. You don't see that 10, 15 years ago in professional wrestling like lo- what Logan Paul's been able to do. Yeah, look, I don't I don't like him, but uh, I have to give credit where it's due. The fact that he was able to step into a ring, and I, listen, I'm sure he worked his ass off and trained, but to be able to have the kind of matches that he's had with as few mistakes Botches. and, and, and with they're the, smooth like they're yeah. fast like paced the, they're yeah. smooth they don't look like when someone does their first few matches like where you're thinking about what's coming next right right and you're yep. telegraphing what's happening yep. he's just in it like he's smooth it's so hard to do it's very yeah. like i have to it, give him credit me too and it's not i'm not saying he's like this but when you hear people talk about Kurt Angle and just how quickly they pick it up, one of the things they mentioned was that like he just he was willing to just throw himself into it. Yeah, but at least, at least Kurt Angle has a wrestling. I, I, I know background. He, he has a wrestling background. Exactly, yeah. you're yeah, absolutely he, right. Like yeah. Logan Paul is not an athlete. Like he's an athletic guy, but he's not a trained professional athlete either. Right. You know, so um, really, really good stuff from Logan, and this should be uh, an awesome match. Looking forward to this one. Oh, Coop, let's move along. Let's go to you here for Trish, Lita, and Becky versus Damage Control. Were they, like, teasing a Trish heel? I've been hearing rumors about that. That would be – I mean, if Trish is around, it just seems so weird to have, like, a veteran like that be a heel because I don't know if people would want to boo her. Was that just – a red herring was that something weird i don't know what do you think about this six woman tag match and uh did you see what i saw and have you heard what i've heard yeah my interest unfortunately my only interest in this match is uh trish stratus i i, I just I, I don't know what they did a good night on monday they did a good job on monday night raw uh with some stuff to to build this up a little bit more man if she turns i don't know she's kind of like the the golden girl, so to speak. Um, she's just this great, you know, uh, baby face for the WWE hall of famer type. I, I don't know, man, if she turns on them, you know, the opening line minus 300 for the good guys here, Becky, uh, uh, Becky Trish, Lynch, and Lita. Uh, Trish and Lita. So I, I don't know what a, what a turn here would do, especially if you do, if you are going to book, that Rhonda and Shayna are going to win these titles within, you know, a, a very short period of time. You know, it, you talk about how long is Cena going to stick around? How long is uh, Lita going to stick around with yeah. these tag titles? So, you know, I, I, I don't know if she turns, does it lead to a 
to a Trish versus Lita match, you know, coming up. I don't know. Something this is, like uh, Becky and like Becky and Lita versus Trish and Bailey. I, I don't know, Darren. Sure. What? A, yeah, me neither. We're, what are you thinking about this six woman tag and then and, and where we could be headed? Yeah, I I do think you're getting a Trish turn. I think I think you're getting a Trish turn. I think I think she, whether it's a jealousy thing that she's not a part of the tag team that won the belts, mm-hmm. um, whatever angle they play, and I think you're going to get a Trish Becky Lynch run up through like SummerSlam. I think I think cool. that's what, I think that's what you're going to kind of get out of this. Um, and I think Trish, and I think in order to get there, Trish probably costs Lita and Becky their titles at some point, you know, to, to damage control as well. I think that's kind of where we're heading here. Um, I, I don't think it's just going to be kind of like this, you know, good vibe moment with Trish and Lita and Becky in the ring victorious together. I think there has to be more to it than that. Andrew, I, I don't know if damage control has really clicked all that much. It hasn't, it's not that I hate it. It's not been awful. I don't know if it, if it's been fantastic. I like all the pieces individually. They've had some good moments and some good matches. I I think I feel like it maybe hinders what we could see from EO Sky a little bit because wow, she's definitely capable of some fantastic things that we saw in NXT. But overall, uh, where do you think this one's headed? I agree with you completely on damage control, and that's where I was going. I love Bailey. I love EO Sky. And I was thrilled they brought Dakota Kai back. She never deserved to get cut when she got cut. And she didn't just come back. They brought her back at SummerSlam in that spot after Becky and Bianca tore the house down to start the show. That was really cool. And that was the onset of the Triple H era, really. I think that was the first really big show that he wound up booking from start to finish. If you want to watch a really good match and a really good angle, watch that one, folks. Now, far as this is concerned, do I want to see Trish Stratus turn? Not really. But go back to WrestleMania 20. Nobody wanted to see Trish Stratus turn then either. She made it work by the sheer force of how good she was as a character and by the fact that evil Trish Stratus is on the Mount Rushmore of the most awe-inspiringly beautiful women in the history of professional wrestling. But do I want to see Trish turn at this stage? No. Do I want to see Lita turn at this stage? No. Do I want to see Becky turn at this stage? No. I'm not sure what we're going to see other than you know the match is going to be really good. I, uh, yeah. I'm very curious about the uh, the Trish involvement because it feels like the positive. If if she does turn, even though I don't know if I would do that, that means that she's going to be around for a while, as Darren was sort of getting at. Then that would lead to a program with her and Becky for a while. And what would be positive about that is it just gives you more involvement of these really talented women who sometimes feel like if they're not wrestling for a title, they don't have another program. So that would be great to have another program with Becky where she could be out of the title picture and not necessarily worrying about it all that much. And you could have still uh, stuff with the other uh, really, really talented females um, involved in the the title picture. So that is the third match that they have listed for night one. We'll see uh, if all of these matches are for sure going to be on the nights that they are placed right now. DZ, your favorite match, the one you're looking forward to most, Brock Lesnar versus Omos with MVP. And it is crazy to think that Brock Lesnar's facing Roman Reigns a year ago. 
you know, for the title in big matches. And Brock Lesnar has always been the, the, the guy, someone who broke the undertaker streak, who has been one of the biggest stars and a huge mountain to climb. And the, the thing that is weird about this match to me, right? What Omos and his individual talent completely aside, even if I didn't like Omos at all, the fact that this match just came out of left field when Omos hadn't even been on TV recently. Yeah. You weren't even building, you weren't even having Omos go through squashes at the time where we just said it's going to be Brock Lesnar versus Omos. It was so random. It was so out of nowhere. Omos was like an ice cold character at the time. That's what bothers me the most. On top of it, how great can this match be? They're trying to play it around the story. Can Brock get him up? Can Brock suplex him? Can Brock hit the F5? I know uh, I know you're looking forward to this one. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, you know, and, and on top of it, it's it's really unfortunate that things fell through with, with Lashley and Wyatt because we could have had Brock and Lashley at WrestleMania. Yeah. Didn't need a title attached to it. Could have gotten the match that we wanted, you know, a good 15 minute barn burner of a match. They never least, did that. It was they like never, they, 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 they never had never a great finish. It. They kept never cutting it, it short, like yep. to play it for another one, for another one. And yep. then we didn't get the final one. Yeah. When they, when I saw the rumors of this, like when Omas said it in that backstage interview on Raw and that little promo. And I was like, that's not going to happen. Me too. There's, there's no way we're getting Lesnar versus this guy at WrestleMania. I was shocked because this is like Vince McMahon written all over it. You know, it, it, it makes no sense if Triple H is the guy who's doing the, the creative and in charge of these bookings that they've come up with this match. Um Rumors yeah. about Bray Wyatt and Brock earlier, and Brock didn't want to do that. Yep. There but how much better does this card look if you take out Omos's name and you put in Bobby Lashley? Lashley? I know. And even if you make it, doesn't it doesn't need a stipulation? But if you made it like you know some kind of a you know street fight, you know no holds barred, where they just beat the crap out of each other for twenty minutes or whatever. So or much better. So much better than this. Yeah. Uh, disappointing, um, Andrew. Could this be surprising at all? Do you have any positive thoughts on this one? Talk to us about Brock versus Omos. Why should I care? Yeah. I'm asking an honest question. That's ultimately, and look, by my profession, I am a content producer, strategist, editor, whatever. That's the question you ask of every single thing you produce and you put out there for people to consume. It would be one thing if there was any storyline at all whatsoever attached to this. This just seems like, well, we need to put Lesnar on the card and the guy that we wanted to work with him, he didn't want to work with. And now we have no idea where he is or where his head's at. Uh, let's just find the biggest guy possible and see if we can see if he can throw him around. Yeah, that'll work. Omniscient all-knowing narrator. It does not work. I don't care. And the one thing that could possibly redeem this would be if Lesnar squashes Omos in 27 seconds, grabs a microphone and says, is this all you have? Somebody in the back that wants a fight come out and you redeem it somehow. I don't know who comes out to redeem it. I don't know who you have. I don't know who would be available. 
but you have someone. Well, Lashley, Lashley's available. Yeah, maybe. But I'm thinking if you have a legend that wants to do something, because oh, are you are you are you going to Goldberg no. here? No, <laughs> he was trying. He, he was, was trying, trying to get. No. He was trying to get there. No, I wasn't <laughs> at all whatsoever. You go. You've got the right general hair complexion. Oh, Austin. Lesnar's going to be done after this mania or so we hear. You've never had Lesnar Austin. Have the glass break. Austin comes out, stuns him, drinks beer, and you salvage the whole thing. That's what I'd do. That's not a bad point. Yeah, we we could all like to see uh, Stone Cold out there stunning. Coop, you've never really been too much of an Omos guy either, right? Uh, how, how are you feeling on this one? No, I, it's no secret that, that you know, I'm, I, I like giants in professional wrestling. He, he's below El Gigante for me back in the, <laughs> back in the old WCW days. Ouch. <laughs> but, you know, playing devil's advocate, I wouldn't mind this, you know, a couple of cool moves from Omos and Lesnar, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm with AC here. I, I, I could see Lesnar squashing this guy. I, I, I don't think you need that hurts Omos. I don't think his future is going to be a, a title holder anyway. I, I Other than the Brock Lesnar name and mystique and what he brings to any match is, is the only reason why I'm interested in this and all. What If they do anything post-match, it would salvage it. I'm not expecting it. I, I just, you know, hopefully it's a glorified squash and uh, it, it wouldn't... Uh, it, it definitely probably... Would you think it it follows one of these hot matches? Yeah, uh, cool you know because it, it's right less before, a, a good cool down spot. Yeah, so yeah, I right before the main place. event, maybe right after the the opener or something like that. Because I just don't know how many people are all that excited for this. But hopefully, we can all be pleasantly surprised, and they can give us like a nice five minute sprint where you know they work hard and uh, and we see Omos, um, you know, show us a little bit more than we're expecting right now, but. Not a lot of high expectations going into that one. Now they have both of the women's championship matches listed for night one. Again, I I hope they change that and they don't do it that way. Let's talk about Bianca versus Asuka first. Andrew, I've, I've probably been, I think, the most disappointed with this match of maybe any uh, on the card because they haven't done really anything. And the best thing they did was on Monday night. When they did some videos that were really well done. Other than that, we we haven't had any actual build. They didn't make a decision on if they wanted to have Asuka be a real heel or not. There wasn't anything to this as far as a story. Um, they just were really lazy with the way they've set it up. And I think this has been a thing with, with some of Bianca's feuds for a while. They they kind of yada 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 through Bianca and Alexa stuff. and. I'm I'm disappointed in the build. All that being said, once the bell rings, this is going to be a great match. These two are going to be fantastic there. But I I would love sometime soon. Uh, I I don't know if it could come, but I want to see a Bianca Belair and Montez Ford power couple as a heel. I think they would be <laughs> fantastic together. Cocky, talking trash to everyone. Like Bianca with the title and Montez with like the US title or like a mid card title and just being real flashy, talking about how he should have done this a long time ago and he should have done it's all about him and Bianca. I would just love that at some point, Andrew, because 
to me, Bianca's got a little bit stale recently. The problem is, I don't know if Asuka's on fire right now to be the person to take this title from her. I was sort of expecting Rhea Ripley to go after Bianca when she won the Royal Rumble. I was a little surprised when Rhea said that she was going to go after Charlotte. Now, I, I understand it makes sense there, but uh, Bianca, Asuka, what do you think about this one, AC? First of all, can we stop for a moment and remember WrestleMania last year where Bianca Belair had that awesome entrance with the Texas Southern Marching Band? How freaking cool was that? I watched that her, the other night again on Peacock. That Her was- last two manias, she's been like, uh, stole the show, main event level, just really good stuff. Yeah, um, I agree with you that she's getting a little bit stale and needs something. I don't know if that's the something But I agree with you in that compared to the build that Charlotte Rhea has gotten, this seems almost like an afterthought and it shouldn't because if we're doing over-unders for star ratings, the over-under for this one's really, really, really high. Yeah. Um, Here's a question. Given some of Asuka's character since she's come back, do we see the great Muda here or an homage to him since he's going into the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could see something. Please, please. They throw 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 one dragon screw leg whip. That's all I need. That's all I need. Oh, Asuka for sure for sure will do some sort of a little a little tribute there. I am so happy that Muda's going in, by the way. That's a big thing for me this year. That's gonna be so much fun. And they'll have uh, that uh, ceremony on Friday night after SmackDown. On Peacock. So, Coop, Bianca, Asuka. We've been a little disappointed with the build to this. We weren't really sure who was going to be the contender because when they made the uh, the list for Elimination Chamber after Rhea decided she was going to face Charlotte, it didn't feel like there was like a, another natural, really hot contender to go after Bianca. I thought a couple of months ago we were getting the definitely... Uh, the definite Oscar heel turn. What was her, that character, Kana, Kana, something yeah. like that. It was one of those. And we didn't. Um, I don't know if this is a product of having two different champions. Um, and this one's just uh, getting the shorter end of the stick because of Charlotte is back on SmackDown and as a SmackDown women's champion, the line opens basically as a pickle. Uh, and I think that's, uh, that's a pretty good indication that I, they may not know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm with you guys. I, I think it's I think Bianca needs something different here, whether that's losing the title or winning a fantastic match. And yeah, her entrance last year with Texans Southern was just absolutely phenomenal in Houston. That was just uh man, that was one of the top five, six uh mania entrances for me. That was spectacular. Um, the match is going to be fantastic. That's what sucks about all this. But a great storyline would probably give you more of the this could headline a night one type deal. Absolutely. And it's not. I, I just feel for for both of these because we haven't been able to grasp on anything storyline with either of these ladies. Yeah, and Darren Andrew was kind of hitting on it. If we're going to just talk about pure like match quality and star ratings, the two women's title matches probably have the highest floor of any matches on the card is just like being good or being the great, like really, really great. Those both of these matches that we're going to talk about back to back have four of the best workers, men or female in WWE and like in the entire industry with Bianca, Oscar, Charlotte and Rhea. So 
in ring will be great. Uh, this one to me though, I've, I've just felt lacking in the build. I did like what they did on Monday though. I, I liked when they just sort of had it sort of like a, a real sports feel to dominant athletes. Here's what they've done. Here's what they could do. It just felt like they tried something when they hadn't really tried much at all before that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm looking forward to it uh, from the standpoint of it being a good wrestling match. I have not really been invested in the story uh, for all the reasons that you said. And, and to be honest, the run that Oscar's had is one of the more perplexing, you know, four to five year runs that I can remember in WWE because she comes out of NXT with this undefeated streak. She wins the Royal Rumble. She goes in against Charlotte at WrestleMania. And after that, they cool off on her and she kind of disappears. Yeah. And then she comes back and she's involved in like some tag team stuff. And then she goes away and she disappears. Then she comes back and she gets handed a championship belt when Becky's leaving to, you know, uh, go have a kid. And she has that run. And then she kind of disappears again. Like I, the Oscar run has been very strange because mm -hmm. I, I have not been able to get fully invested in her character because just when I start to, they cool off on her and she just kind of goes away again. And I don't know if that's going to happen again here. I, I have, honestly, I, I, I don't really know what's going to happen in this match. I don't have a strong feeling one way or the other, but for all those reasons, like I said, wrestling match, looking forward to it. Any type of story that has me really invested, it's just not there. No, no. If I, I may jump in, please. The big difference now with Asuka is Triple H. I yeah. would not be at all surprised if Vince just never saw anything with Asuka. And it's clear Triple H knows how to book her. I mean, you, you look at the NXT stuff that she did, and you mentioned the undefeated streak. She never dropped the belt because there was nobody on the NXT women's roster at the time that could be seen as a credible threat. Think about that for just a minute and realize how strongly Triple H has booked her. The problem now that you're getting into is Asuka's no kid anymore. No. And you've got to wonder, now to be fair, the way that she works, I don't think we have to worry about her losing a step in the ring, but it just makes you really sad at how they've wasted her the last five years she's been on the main roster. And at some point, whether it be... Uh, a manager or they let her just cut promos and they, they have subtitles or something. I, I don't care how I, she needs to be able to communicate some at some point, some way, like they have to figure that out a little bit because it's just, it's hard over and over to not have her be able to just talk a little bit about what she's thinking, what she's feeling, her opponent, any of that stuff. Like we need to hear that at some point from someone who's a major, major player. It doesn't have to be fantastic. It doesn't have to be 20 minutes to open up raw all the time. It just has to be small. Somethings. There's so few people that you never heard talk. Think about the undertaker. He had Paul bear talk for him. The people that didn't talk had somebody talk for them. And that's a, that's been an issue recently. I think with Oscar, so, Wait a minute, Gino. You didn't like during the early stages of the no one in, uh, uh, you know, remember she was kind of the unsung hero. Well, she when was she just, was yelling at Michael Cole, yeah. that was even funny. Like, you know what I mean? Like that was, that was at least funny because she was, she was kind of playing a character and they were playing into the fact that nobody could, they couldn't understand what she was saying, like the rest of the people. And then, so 
there was something there. But right now, she just it's too much of I don't like throwing them under the bus, but it just feels like like a way of an AEW way of like we have this good wrestler who's just gonna come out and give us some good matches. I want a little bit more than that. I want uh, like give me some reason to care more about Asuka like we did before. Let's finish up what they have listed for night one, which is Charlotte versus Rhea. And Coop, this one's been a little uneven with the build, but I think there have been some really high moments. The A couple times that we've seen these two on SmackDown have been good. I thought the night that Dominic Mysterio showed up and was talking with Charlotte, it really, <laughs> it really sort of pulled me into the feud a little bit more. I, I liked it a lot that night. And I the match will be great. The only thing that seems weird is just the dynamic because you have Charlotte who has come back and she's been a baby face since she's come back. What usually happens when there's a big star that's gone and makes their return, they're always a baby face right off the bat because people cheer for them because they've been away for a while and they miss them. But Charlotte's a heel. She's a natural heel. She's going to be a heel. In this match, she's absolutely going to get booed. People are going to cheer Rhea. But Rhea is associated with a dastardly heel, Dominic Mysterio, who gets a ton of heat. And I don't know if you want to turn Rhea like super babyface and take Rhea away from the Judgment Day stuff. That's where I'm just a little kind of weirded out by this because I think Rhea should just win this match clean, take the title from Charlotte, and be the the anchor of the women's division now for a while. She's the most over female right now, but she she's going to be getting cheered in this match, right, Coop? Yeah, unfortunately, I have to agree with you here. Uh, what with WrestleMania 36, Rhea comes from NXT, one of the hottest uh, you know runs in a while that we've seen. She goes into WrestleMania 36, and what she loses to Charlotte Flair, and then she you know kind of like a tailspin flounders for, for a while yeah it, it was brutal and uh i remember her saying she was at a crossroads she didn't know if, if, if she was going to continue wrestling or what she wanted to do but yeah you know she's kind of been involved with two different storylines here uh you talk about big favorites in, in wrestlemania this weekend she opened at minus 1000 as a favorite over charlotte Ooh. flair i just hope the match delivers that's that's the one thing it kind of makes up for 36. I didn't think it was the best showings. Of oh, I love that match. You I did? love the 36 really? match oh, in the in the oh. no, yeah in the in the, the arena. I love, oh, yeah, I'm with Gino. Yeah, oh, man. I I just I, just, I, I think look. I, I just think that Rhea needs this. Time. I'm not the biggest Charlotte Flair fan in the world. Ric Flair, her father, is is my all-time favorite. But, yeah, I think Rhea here gets it, let her run. And I think she needs to separate from Charlotte a little bit. I don't think there needs to be a Charlotte run after uh, a chasing the title if Rhea wins no, this, Gino. No, um, DZ, what do we do here with, with just sort of the, the dynamics of all of this, right? Because we're all yeah. in agreement, right? Rhea's getting cheered here. Yeah, the, this is when I was alluding to one of the spots where I was saying they need to be careful that they don't book themselves into a corner because you have her aligned with a dastardly faction. Um, Dominic doesn't, Dominic is getting like, you know, Roman go away heat. Oh my, it's so great. Dude, like they, so I mean, and, and, and I'm, I can't stand them. Me, it, me, I, I, I can't stand them. Like it's not, not even I can't, not even I can't stand them. From like a standpoint of, um, you know, I want to dislike him as a heel. I think he sucks. 
Oh, that's great. Okay, like, good. I, I, I think he sucks. I think he's terrible. I think he sucks on the mic. I think it's awkward. He's slow in the ring. He tries to do raised moves, and he does it at like a glacial pace. I think he's terrible. So you're you're lining her where she's going to get cheered if she wins here, which means she's going to have a moment after this match where she's probably like clutching the belt in tears with the crowd cheering. How do you go from that to her going back to being Dominic's mommy and doing the whole, you know, uh, uh, judgment day thing? I don't get it. I don't know what you're going to do. That's what's, what's strange about this. And, and, you know, Andrew, do they want to do something where they have the Rhea and Dominic matches on the same night and have both of them win? But then that's so weird. Could you imagine you have one of them winning as a baby face? The others, uh, he, I, I, I don't know. That's what's what's confused me and made me overthink this because of those two dynamics. And then I would love there to be something with Rhea and mommy and then Dominic and Dominic's actual mom out there. You know what I mean? Like that would be just hilarious as I'm trying to play it out in my head. Talk to us about Charlotte Flair and Rhea. I'm surprised you're letting me talk about Charlotte. I know. I know. One year ago, we were doing this show. Charlotte Flair was set to defend the title against the returning Ronda Rousey, who had come back, won the Royal Rumble. She was not minus 1,000 like Rhea Ripley apparently is at what I'm going to remind all of you is an offshore betting site. Please be careful if you decide to go this route. And again, the whole betting on wrestling thing, it, I, I play it for laughs sometimes. It legitimately blows my mind that there were states considering this. Anyway, she was not minus 1,000, but it was probably minus five or 600. And I was the only person on this show Never to gonna point out, wait a minute, Ronda Rousey wasn't on SmackDown, the go-home show, preparing for this match. I smell a rat. You, I will give you all the credit in the world for that. You hit it on the head. My my only um, thing to say following that is, gosh, they, they made the right call. Ronda has not been over, right? Like so- she just... She just wasn't like over. I guess yeah. they they could sort of sense it probably already then that she wasn't as into this in her second run or uh, whatever it was. But is it going to happen again, Andrew? Are you calling your shot one more time so. here? I think this is one of those obvious ones where no matter how much you want to swerve the crowd, no matter how much you want to avoid the awkwardness of Rhea and Dominic, I, I think it's obvious you give Rhea the belt here. Now with Ronda, we'll talk a little bit more when we get to the four-way uh, WrestleMania showcase tag team, get everybody on the card thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I think this is a different animal. I think Rhea is the face of the division moving forward. And if it's me, and if Ray is not retiring after WrestleMania, I don't think he is. I think what you do is Rhea wins here. Dominic loses to his dad and gives everyone the payoff they want. And then Dominic loses his girl, the raw after WrestleMania. Okay. On a breakup thing. Okay. Limit the potential fallout in that way. Okay. That could also potentially have ramifications as we talk about edge and Finn Balor with judgment day and everything else that's going on there. But that that to me seems like the most logical way to go about things because They have a great problem to have because for as much as we talk about Dominic and whatever he he has, 
I give the guy a lot of credit for his character work. Me too. People invested in this match. Now I'm not, I'm not invested at all. I couldn't care less. Oh, I, no. I, I am into this a thousand percent. I no, love I it. I want to see him get less. popped. I just, when he comes out, I laugh my ass off. And I think, I don't think he's that good to where he can be like fully acting on it. But I think there is something to the fact that he's just not as smooth yeah. as, as his dad. And they kind of just lean into it, yeah. you know? Now, like, now, Darren, the one thing I will say before we move on is you've got to be really careful about what you say about Dominic Mysterio. He's been to prison and that's... Yeah, I was going to say, he yeah. knows people, DZ. Prison. He knows. I'm from, I'm, <laughs> listen, listen, I'm from Brooklyn. He sucks. <laughs> You're from Coop. Brooklyn, but you live in Staten Island. Come on. Same <laughs> Coop. I will say this was a, a feud that we had been hearing about for a while. They kept telling us over and over they were going to do this. And then finally we get the Mysterio versus Mysterio feud here. So as we sort of move off of Flair and Rhea and we move on to some of the matches that are the next night, let's go to that one because we've sort of been in the conversation with it anyway. Ray Mysterio, Dominic, not Dominic Mysterio. They don't have it listed for a specific night. Darren Darren loves – this and, uh, and Omos versus Lesnar are going to be the two that Darren and uh, his family yeah, watch break. and rewatch and rewatch. That's when you mix up your drinks. Check the barbecue, everything that needs to be done at that time for DZ and family. Um, Ray and Dom, I am way more invested now than if they would have done this, I think, at any other point. Because we, uh, like, you know, a year ago, and nobody cared about Dominic. Nobody cared in the, they didn't even have go-away heat from this guy. He could be following Ray to the ring, standing in the corner, and you didn't know. You, you didn't hear him. He didn't have a presence. Now, there's this just cringe about him all over the place. And um, I, I'm a lot more invested in this match than I would have been at any other point. Koopa Loop, this has to be a moment for Dominic to get the big win here, right? If they've been doing all of this, it has to be to get the young guy over. I would think so. Uh, the The offshore book odds are are, are basically a pick them here too. I, you know, where does he go from here? I'm not I'm not satisfied with what happens on Saturday and Sunday. I'm always thinking, all right, well, what happens next? I, look, when you talk about Judgment Day, what Damian Priest is not even on the card. I, I think that faction's probably in trouble. Um, I want Dominic to go over. Look, that that promo on Monday night was. That was one of the best promos in a long time. It was ugly, but uh, that was one of the best ones that he has. I'm really invested in this match, and I think he's going to get a ton of heat on Sunday. So, Andrew, uh, Dominic, and Ray, how do you think it's been built up? Uh, do you, are you more on the, the me and Coop side, or are you more leaning with DZ? Or are you somewhere in the middle? I'm somewhere in the middle, leaning to the Gino and Coop side. Um this is one of those things that's it's wildly over the top, but Rey Mysterio was my very first favorite wrestler when I got into it in 1996, watching him on Monday Nitro. So seeing him with his kid, that's pretty dang cool. Um, what I would personally do here, though, look, credit to Dominic Mysterio for having the character that has made him successful in that role beyond anywhere he should have been. Okay. Guy has done a really good job. You put Ray over here. 
you send Dominic down to NXT because that guy's got to learn. He got put in a really tough position based on what his last name is. And it's been up and down. He didn't really get the chance to learn the way he probably should have. And as a result, I think after this judgment day is done, you bring Dominic into NXT, you have him learn and get the basics down that he didn't really have a chance to master given the way he came into the business. That's personally what I'd do. He could be a good character in NXT too if he went down there after this and like Well, there's gonna be, you'd have to imagine people coming out of NXT at some yeah. point soon. We haven't had the type of mass exodus that we've come to expect in the past. It's coming years. soon. Like that this class like, is is good. Like the, yeah. at the top with Carmelo and Braun, one of them's coming up, probably Grayson Waller. Waller. He's yeah, be really good. And you've got yeah. a couple of the women that are gonna be pretty good the too. The Creed brothers probably aren't far off. They could be a, yeah. they're like a ready-made tag team right there's now. You got some of the women left. And I'm not saying you push Dominic to the front of the brand, but you give him that kind of experience that he needs if he's ever going to really be somebody down the line. That's what Man, I mean. Wait a minute. From mania against his dad, a legend, to, to Tuesday night NXT. Man, well, because he sucks. The storyline, <laughs> what do you do with him? That's, what, <laughs> that's true. That's true. In, in, in ring, he needs, he needs the help. And, and DZ, go ahead. The floor is now yours. <laughs> I still sucks. I'm not. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I've tried to get into it. Like you said, it's so ridiculously over the top. It's the intertwinings of Rhea, who's involved in this story while chasing a title in another story is weird. The whole Judgment Day dynamic is weird. Damian Priest is nowhere to be found. Right? The, the whole thing has just got me completely flat. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. I thought they should have blown the whole thing up after Edge. Um, I'm hoping that that Andrew is right, that Ray somehow goes over. I'm sure the family is going to get involved somehow. Yeah. You know, um, you would, to me, in, in old school WWE, this has the heel gets his family comeuppance written all over it. Yeah, um, the mom comes out and slaps yeah. him, you know, you know does the mom come out and do something or the sister comes out and does something and costs Ray the match? I mean, I guess that's the counter that could potentially happen. Um, but yeah, look, like I said, I just don't so, think he's very good. I think his promo work is weak. It's awkward. It's choppy. I feel uncomfortable watching him. I get nothing out of him. Um, by the way, I don't know if you noticed and I don't want to listen. I love Ray. Ray is not in the best shape he's ever been. No, he, I'm glad yeah. you brought that up. Monday night, yeah. you could tell it. Yeah, you yeah, could, yeah. I mean, he is put can on I play some advocate for just a minute here. Yeah, he's, what, he's almost he's, fifty at this point. No, no, no I, Andrew, I get it. But when he came, he when he came back a couple of years ago, he was jacked and ripped out of his mind. Yeah. And he is. He has lost a lot of tone and his and and he's and, got a gut that he never you almost yet. again again i don't know but like you wonder if it's something like if it's like a character thing for this right want to be a little bit older and maybe this is like him on his way out um i'm a little bit past my prime but you, i don't know if you want to do that though the way you're like in shape right for like working a match and, and being like yeah. working he's working a think, lot yeah that would be um, the opposite of what everybody else does going it does right <laughs> Now, there's one other thing to mention with this match and this feud. The next pay-per-view following this is in Puerto Rico. Oh, yeah, do, that's right, yeah. Do they keep this going with these two guys? Because that would be a huge match in Puerto Rico, yeah. right? 
with Rey Mysterio and Dominic in some sort of a stipulation, like a mat, you know, something. Um, so I could absolutely see that happening because, you know, we have to, Rey Mysterio, one of the biggest, like, Hispanic Latin stars that they could have. I think that would, that would be massive. Um, so Rey Mysterio, Dominic, right now, not sure which night that one's going to go on. Let's talk about the showcase matches. We have the tag match. Andrew, I mean, this is one that you said they, they're doing this with the women and the men. This is a get everybody on the card match. Um, but again, on paper, Braun and Ricochet, the Street Profits, uh, Gable and Otis, and the Viking Raiders, all very good working teams that could do different things and be very impressive. Like if these guys go out and have 10 to 12 minutes where they just say, Hey, go hit all your spots. At the very least, this is going to be a fun 10 or 12 minutes. It's not going to be something that I feel like is going to be a downer while we're watching this. No. And tag matches like this. I mean, that was the highlight of night two of mania last year. You're right. It was the show stealer with the, uh, the brawling brutes. Yeah, it was really good. Um, you wind up getting that sort of thing. Now, as far as this year goes, I don't necessarily have that much of an opinion on this one. I wouldn't be surprised with anything they wind up doing. What, by the way, is your guys' opinion of the work Otis has been doing with the Maximum Male Models and Maxine Dupree? I mean, it's fun. I, it's funny. It's, it's goofy. <laughs> it's goofy as hell. But I mean, anything he does is going to be goofy. I give him a lot of credit. He yep. is phenomenal in the role that he's wound up in. I got to tell you, the storyline with him and Mandy Rose never getting an ending is always going to bother me. Me too. He deserved way. Dude, he was the money in the bank yeah. holder. Yes. He yeah. was like next up to be the world champ. He and was right know, there. Honestly, the more I look at this match the more I see eight guys that are in really weird spots. You right. look at Strowman, who was main eventing WrestleMania a couple of years ago, got released, gets brought back, and I would say has been underwhelming since they and, brought him back. And what's funny is, you're absolutely right, he's in the best shape physically he's ever been. Yes. He, he's probably had a couple of the best matches he's ever had in the last couple months on SmackDown, but they've just sort of been a little under the radar. He had a great one with Gunther and he had a really good one with Ricochet prior to that. And they've had some fun tag matches as well. So it's like his work has been good. They just haven't really elevated him to much more than just guy on the card. Yeah. Now Ricochet, obviously guys been in limbo in various stages and it's good to see them doing something with him you get the street profits and it seems like we've been saying Montez Ford is going to be a star for four years now. I know. At some point they, to pardon my, my language here, but they've got to shit or get off the pot with him. They do. And I, that's no disrespect to Dawkins who has come a long way. And if you look at Dawkins from four or five years ago, that guy has lost a lot of weight and has gotten into outstanding shape and turned into a really good worker. You get Chad Gable and Otis Gable should have been Kurt Angle's son from the jump, but Hey, we needed to swerve everybody. So here we go with Jason Jordan. Imagine how different Chad Gable's career is. If he's Kurt Angle's son, and then <laughs> from then on you get 
the Viking Raiders? Or should we call them the Viking Experience? Huh? Can we rip the Band-Aid off that one yet, or does it still need a little more time to heal? Um, it's a weird match with a bunch of guys that are at weird stages and have been through a lot of shit. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they wind up deciding to do here. And I think someone might be muted because I'm not hearing it. <laughs> Oh, yep, uh, DZ. I think uh, some of the thank you, Andrew, for the uh, the host assist there. No problem. The, uh, I'm just doing what I can. I mean, I know that I said a lot there, but I don't think I left anybody speechless. No, <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna want he's gonna want that retweeted. By the way, I was, by, I was just sorry, absolutely, sense. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so we're looking at Strowman Ricochet. They're fun, but they're not like a long term tag team. Angelo and Montez, man, they teased it with Montez in that. Um, in that elimination chamber match, we all saw we got a glimpse of it, and they've even had little interactions with Montez and um and Angelo with Austin Theory recently. I could see him being someone not far off for a U.S. title run, and then with Alpha Academy, Gable Notice, we know everything that's going on with them. I could absolutely see Chad Gable have a a nice sort of singles babyface run and do some good work that way. Viking Raiders maybe feel like the most for sure tag team for the long haul. And I'm kind of just playing it out in my head. I think KO and Sammy are going to win. So I think that a heel team winning this would make the most sense to be like the next challenger for a KO and Sammy after the Uso stuff. I'm going to say the Viking Raiders win this thing. And I'm going to say it's a good match. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I, I hope these two showcases are not on the same night. No, they got to split them up too, right? I really hope that they're split. Yeah, um, yeah the, I mean, look, you, you got a lot of talent in here. Ricochet is always fun to watch in the ring. Obviously, Montez Ford, like you said, we've been hearing rumors that they're going to fire him up as a singles competitor. And he had that that great uh, effort in the uh, elimination chamber where it looked like it was really time to propel him. And, you know, I, I'm a little bit disappointed that he finds himself in this match at WrestleMania. Um but you got a lot of good workers in here, a lot of guys in interesting different points of their WWE runs, guys that I wouldn't necessarily have thought would have been here at this point. But uh, it's an interesting match. I think it's going to be a good match. You're probably going to get one of those great sequences where they hit, you know, finisher after finisher and guys come flying out of nowhere and, you know, bang, 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 bang. Uh, Strowman's going to do that ridiculous run around the ring. Oh yeah. He could get all, take out all the other six guys, right? On I, the, mean, on the... I mean, he is so slow that you could literally sit in a chair and scarf down like an, an Ed Norton hero from the honeymooners by the time <laughs> he gets around the ring and gets to you. It's so bad. I, I can't believe that, that, that him doing that stupid twirl of the finger and running around the ring is still a thing. I really Wait, can't you, believe you it. didn't uh, Monday night that that pop that he got for doing it on Monday night. I, he gets he got, I was gonna say, he gets uh, a come pop. On, come but on, he, he gets I, a pop. It's uh, terrible. It's it's terrible. Cooper, and half and half the time he completely misses the guy. Oh, he does true. swing and miss. That he is, does that, swing and miss true. on that one. Koopa Loop, uh, basically, um, some of the the next tier tag teams right here on the men's side. What do you think? Yeah, not much more I can add. Don't see Gable and Otis winning this. I am uh, happy for Gable. Hopefully he gets a couple of shining moments um, and he doesn't take the pinfall here. Uh, if we're going to talk odds and offshore 
Um, three of the tag teams are pretty much uh, pick them here with the obvious Braun, Ricochet, Viking Raiders, and Street Profits uh, all being around plus 100. Gable and Otis at plus 1400. I, you know, it, it, it'll be a fun match. Again, another cool off spot. Um, I, I'm with you. I wouldn't mind seeing the Viking Raiders win. I, I think I'm starting to like the gimmick again. Um, I, and I think they're really good in the ring. Uh, just hopefully no more, uh, no more spots uh, with the street profits playing basketball bowling. or anything like the that. Viking Raiders the bowling. bowling. The, yeah, Andrew, no I saw Andrew out there bowling with the Viking Raiders. I think I'm pretty sure. Right, Andrew? You're, you're I would not be alone with the Viking Raiders anywhere because <laughs> they would hurt me. <laughs> and uh what i want to see because i know they announced that it's going to be coming up soon i'd love to see a king gable run chad gable king of the ring give me a few of those give me like two or three matches on that saudi arabia card a with gable from the throne would be great yep i would love it or even just losing in the final but giving him multiple multiple matches along the way would be a lot of fun i think i could see him getting into that too let's uh let's go to the women's showcase match now koopa loop Liv Morgan, Raquel, Natty and Shotzi, Ronda Rousey and Shayna, and Chelsea and jo- Sonia Deville. Shout out to uh, our girl Chelsea, yeah, who you and yeah, I have always just, loved. Let, yeah, let me just stop you right here, and I'll make it short and sweet. It's Chelsea's look. It's Chelsea Green time here, boys. Got uh, to be weekend. Chelsea. Gr- the okay. only thing that's a bummer about this is if this was initially, if this was Chelsea and Carmella. I would have actually thought there was a chance for a them chance. To, yes. to do a slip I on agree. a banana peel win because that's sort of their characters and like somehow get a win. The fact that Chelsea's already had to go through a couple different iterations with the tag team because it seems like there's uh Carmelo's um, banged up or something like that. Um, I don't think they will win, but I got to give her a ton of credit. Her character has been good. It's been fun. There's a lot of, characters there's a lot of wrestlers that when they don't have anything going on or they're not necessarily in a title picture or feud they're just not there this is a character that she can be on every week when she's not wrestling matches she can be in segments she's getting talked about and you could see her absolutely being a heel character in this division for a long time because once the bell rings she can actually get in there and hold her weight right she's not necessarily charlotte flair in the ring but she's not bad she's not she's not someone who's going to like look bad in the ring or not be able to pull her weight there so and it's it's a shout out to chelsea because she's done a really good job but since coming in but is this one as simple as just ronda and Shayna? i mean i can't see natty and shotty shotzi winning i don't think no. it's going to be chelsea and sonia because they they're so new and they just threw them together and I guess I could outside see Liv and Raquel because I know that individually they're high on both of these women. And Liv's Liv's had a really good year. She's super over. They like Raquel. It just feels like this is for Ronda and Shayna, right? Yeah, I agree. Uh, You know, I I, I think if Carmella was around with Chelsea, I could see them accidentally tapping someone out. If Ronda or Shayna has someone in in another hold and they just sneak in with a win, uh, if that happens, I would be shocked now. But I think Ronda and Shayna here is your likely winners. But, you know, Liv is uh, – she's Liv. She overcomes a lot. She's popular. Um, still sells a ton of merch. Great on social media. Um, I just hope this match gets a little time. I, I, I have a feeling it's not. I hope it does. Uh, again, I hope they're split up. I mean, uh, mo- if, the, if we if it's matches, only so. these matches that they have carded, they should all be able to get time. 
right? Because we know that the Omos Brock match on one of the nights isn't going to be that long. So I think everything else should be able to get at least 10 minutes, uh, you know, plus in, in yep. different and like differing levels. DZ, what about the other uh, women's showcase here? Yeah, I'll take it a step further. I think I think Ronda and Shane will win. Uh, I think they come out on Raw and beat Becky and Lita for the titles on Monday yeah. night, and Lita yeah. goes away because she's not going to be hanging around much after uh, after yeah. WrestleMania. Yeah, I could see I, that. Yeah, that makes I sense. Think, I think that's I think that's the most likely scenario. Um, they probably pinned Sonya, maybe Natalia. Uh, one and of those Liv and Raquel them. could be like a fun baby face team for their first few. Probably, actually, to be honest with you, I bet you it kind of ends with like a double submission where Ronda and Shayna tap out both members of a team or something. Yep. Like that. Yep. Yeah. I could absolutely see that happening. And then you can maybe pivot to Liv and Raquel and you have, they've been putting together a couple other uh, women's tag teams too. Maybe you pull someone up from the, uh, from NXT, but it feels like we should have a little time of, of Ronda and Shayna with these tag team titles as like a dominant, female tag team for a little bit that could be a lot of fun and it could be fun you know seeing pairings of like some of the really top tier babyface women to face them you know like if they were to put together becky and charlotte at some point or you know bianca and one of them at some point that that could also be a lot of fun whoever's sort of the odd one out of the title picture uh at that particular time andrew what about the uh the women's match here so just to recap the fall that Ronda Rousey has taken. Um, yeah. She came back for the Rumble last year, and the second you heard Bad Reputation by Joan Jett, you knew Ronda was winning. The match was over, done with. You knew Ronda was going to WrestleMania because that's just the kind of star power that Ronda Rousey had during her first run. She came back, and part of the problem with her was her but the other part had to do with some really strange booking they did the 50 50 stuff with charlotte where they didn't put her over at mania but they put her over at a pay-per-view that by comparison nobody watched and we got to say the charlotte the stuff with her and charlotte leading into mania was not a good build you pointed out that she wasn't there even the week before and the match at mania wasn't good the following no. match was much better. Yes, and but it was one of those situations where if you're going to put her over, you don't do it at a B-pay-per-view. You put her over when everybody's watching. And then a couple months down the line, they, and I give them a lot of credit for this because it's hard to make a new babyface star, and they did a lot right with Liv Morgan. But Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey were a horrible matchup for one another because there was no way, shape, or form Liv was ever going to be presented as Ronda's equal, let alone like her a clean better. win over her. Yep. And everything after that did not go well nope. for either of them. Now, and she's talked about it recently, Ronda yeah, has. And and while I don't necessarily agree with hanging everyone out to dry like that, and by the way, you can say the same thing for a couple of people on the other show yep. who that I'm sure you guys have talked about yep. at some point. Uh, seriously, everybody, don't hit send. Just don't do it. Don't it's send not that. smart. No, no. Uh, but one thing I will say is teaming Ronda and Shayna up has always made a lot of sense. This still works 
even if they waited a couple of years too long to do it. And if we're using horse racing parlance here, my best bet of the weekend is Ronda and Shayna winning this match. And you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to parlay that with Chelsea Green wanting to speak to the manager. Okay, <laughs> I like that. I think that's a, that's a good prop there. Uh, hey, let, no. let me ask you guys this. Do you think, Please. you know, because the, the women's tag team titles have just been, uh, they haven't, it hasn't been good. It, it just, it hasn't. Does Becky and Lita do do those two ladies legitimize these tag team titles or will it take Rhonda and Shayna to finally legitimize this? Cause I know it's not going to be yeah, a long think, run for either. Yeah. I think Darren's right too. I think, I think it's quick where you go to, you go to Rhonda and Shayna quickly, even Monday night or in the next week or so. And you put it right on them and then you let them be dominant in the ring for a while. And, and you just throw different combinations at them repeatedly. Like that's let, let them feel like a dominant tag team, but like put them on TV and stuff. They've, they haven't done a great job booking this, this tag team division uh, for the most part. So pay a little more attention to it. And maybe if they feel like Rhonda is in there, they will do so. And maybe because Rhonda and Shayna are friends and they're close, they'll, they'll enjoy this. They'll get into it. They will have some fun with it. And maybe that chemistry will sort of show through in their matches and, and segments and stuff they do together. So I think it's them. And then you go with them and make the run. We have, uh, I believe, four more matches to discuss for WrestleMania weekend coming up. First, let's hit on Edge versus the Demon Finn Balor. It's a Hell in a Cell match. We'll uh, head over to you, Andrew, for this one. So I, it's it's fine for me. Like I don't really have many knocks on it. It's not great. It's not maybe as great for a build as I would want for Edge and Finn Balor. But when I stop and think about what these two guys have done and are capable of doing in a Hell in a Cell match, I like it. I think the last few weeks of promos to build up to this has been good. The problem with this is it just has felt like it's been going on for a long time. I think this match was even rumored to happen at Royal Rumble a couple months ago. There have been maybe two different times where Edge has had small injuries. And so it's just felt like this has lingered for a while. I think that's sort of hurt it overall. But... I don't really have negatives on segments that they've been involved in or parts of this feud. It's just, it's, it needed to be tightened up a little bit. I'm sure the match will be excellent and I'm looking forward to it. And then we got to move edge in a different direction because he's pointed out, he's not going to be around all too much longer, maybe a year more max. It didn't even sound like that much. So he, I could see edge having one of those, um, you know, career versus title sort of runs or something built into the storyline with the edge, with the end of his career moving forward. But all that being said, how do you think this match plays out, Andrew, who needs the win here? What's going to happen? First of all, I would like to say that the biggest heel in the entire company is going to make an appearance in this match. It is the God awful red cell. Nobody likes Oh, the red cell, the it red cell. Terrible. The I don't blood know red cell. this was, but everything associated with the Seth Rollins fiend to hell in a cell match needed to be burned down and then burnt again, just to make the point that it was never going to be seen on WWE programming ever again. I hate that thing. I hate that thing. I hate that thing. Now, as far as this match goes, it's going to be fine. 
It's Edge who knows how to put a match together better than just about anybody. It's Finn Balor who is absolutely fantastic at everything he does. What do you do with either guy after this, though? And that's ultimately what I think is going to be tough because we've established this. We don't think Judgment Day is lasting a whole heck of a lot longer. So then what do you do with Balor? What do you do with Edge? There have been rumors that the Toronto show they're doing this summer may well be his farewell tour from WWE. We don't know if it's his farewell tour from wrestling. We know AEW was interested in him a couple of years ago. He so much as said that on his WWE Network show. But what do you do here? Like, do you put Edge over and then give him one last main event run, maybe against Cody down the line. I some thinking, maybe. What do you do? And it's confounding to me. And the other thing that I wish wasn't a thing, because I was a huge NXT guy when Finn Balor was down there. And when the demon showed up, you knew shit was about to get real. Why did they wait so long to bring it back And is it still a thing since it's basically been gathering mothballs for the last five or six? And and you wonder, is this a Triple H thing, right? Does he, is this something where Vince didn't get it, didn't understand, and now Triple H will get a better presentation than than we may have before? See, what I would have done, and I wish they would have done this as a way to kiss the Fiend goodbye. When the Fiend came in, and when when he returned as the Fiend, That squash match at SummerSlam was against Finn Balor. You do the Fiend against the Demon and come full circle. And I don't understand why they didn't do that and why we instead got Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton, 9,000 with Alexa Bliss and Black Blood and a whole bunch of other things and a box-like structure, as it was called by the announcers. And It's just a box. It's a box. They called it a box-like I know. structure. I know, but you're like, you know, we're sitting there like, it's a box. A box-like structure. A medical facility. It's a yeah. hospital. You know what I mean? Like, it's a hospital, Vince. Yeah, so, so anyway, this is going to be fine. I have faith in Edge and Finn, but can we please get rid of the red cell and can we please have a plan for both of these guys after Mania? That's all I'm asking. Wait a minute. You hate the red cell worse than the blue, still old WWE. Oh, I like the blue cage. cage. I think the blue cage is the greatest of all yeah. time. Give me the blue cage. Oh, I love the big cage. blue cage. Get out. get out of the show, Chad. I love get the out. big blue cage. So, uh, Coop, you chimed in right now. Talk to us about this one. Edge versus the demon, Finn Balor. I, you know, look, I I am super pumped that hopefully we get the demon. I think he's teased it long enough. And I think this is, yeah, uh, the, uh, an edge win here. Don't see a lot of hope for judgment day going after this. Uh, Interesting that we get a hell in a cell uh, at WrestleMania. I don't know if this has been done before. If it has someone, uh, one of you guys let me know because I don't recall it. Wait, Um, boss man versus the undertaker where he hung him right that's right that's this right is metaphor be- is this a symbolic <laughs> hanging no he's actually <laughs> hanging him he's actually <laughs> hanging him michael cole is this symbolic? while we're on the topic 
Yeah, How sure. do we consider the kennel from hell match? Is that in consideration? That's true. That is true. Hey, now, wouldn't wouldn't a good brood reunion That's, at this point be a good spot? At least the brood look right, like yeah. the look. Yeah, because Gangrel, you know, Gangrel's still around doing indie dates. He you know? popped up. Didn't he pop up on a, on AEW do at one point? And he's I, I, I mean, I Christian's he over there, yeah. but I could see the black blood like we had with Edge. Last year, what are your what are the odds that you look that you're looking at Coop for this one? Uh, it, it's it's a pick'em. Uh, Edge is a is a slim favorite, minus one thirty. Um, so it, it's it's a pick'em. But I I you know I, I would go with Edge here. Definitely, I would book him over Finn. I think Finn probably needs a good win. But if Edge loses, what do you do with him at this point in this stage? But if you lose this gimmick match, does it really hurt you that much? DZ. Well, let me let me ask this question. Has the demon ever lost a match? The one to Roman? Did he lose that one to Roman? Or was that no D de- was that Finn and not I the Demon? I think yeah. he might have lost one in NXT because I feel like he might have been the demon once against Owens, but I'm not sure. Okay, I, but not you, nothing recent or No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So here's my point. Um if you're gonna have Edge win this. Why, why would you book it against the demon? Why would you make Finn lose as the demon? That's strange. And do we do we get some sort of shenanigans here? Is there someone else that gets involved? Does something happen to where Finn can win? You can get Edge out of this without having him look bad and then separate them. But I don't know. Does that do anything for either one of them? Like Finn getting a clean win, I think would help. But I don't. I don't know if that's going to. I don't think he's going to get a clean win over Edge. Maybe not. I I, yeah. I don't know. By the I mean, way, I've I've looked it up. He's never lost as the Demon character. Okay. Yeah. I, I, right. I, yeah. He hasn't. He hasn't. So, what? I don't. I don't. If Edge is coming to the end of his run, why are you I, having him beat this character that could be around and still do more? Yeah. Why? Why? why is trip, trip like you said? Triple H with this character, what he did with it in NXT, he's really going to have the demon character lose to Edge here. And then maybe we get Finn winning this and then Edge's character can have a turn and say, do I have it left anymore, right? Do one of those runs, do I yeah. really have it? And then we, he goes out there and he proves himself, you know, and he I, has- I thought, I thought as, soon, as soon as it, it was apparent that, that you were getting the demon Finn Balor, um, no, but let me ask this question. They're gonna boo the demon character when he comes out. I know. I, I, they may, maybe not, right? It may just be, especially. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think so. No, I think maybe I, I think I don't I, think I, Edge isn't getting booed, but they're not I, gonna boo the demon character. And I and I I'm, and the only the only reason that I can justify the demon character is if we are getting full blown brood Edge. Yeah. You know, and and then the match looks cool, but I don't. I really don't think Triple H is going to have the Demon character lose. Lay down like that. No, it seems like a, it seems like a nice card that you have to go to, and I don't know if you'd want to, yep, necessarily ruin it like like that. Yep. So Edge versus Finn. The next match, the IC title, Gunther versus Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre. When they brought him up. From NXT, Andrew, we were really worried. They changed the name from Walter to Gunther. They made him change his look. 
I will say all of the reasons why we were worried were very valid. How many people came up from NXT? They told him to change. They told him to do this. He wasn't someone that felt like Vince was going to just necessarily understand him and put this guy over right away. Man, I was really wrong, and I'm so pleased to be wrong in this case because they've done a fantastic job with Gunther. He has been treated and booked like an absolute star. He had a great run in the Royal Rumble, and I think it's not uh, a coincidence that they have him in a triple threat here because he could lose this title without losing. I think Sheamus wins this title. I think Gunther doesn't get pinned, and I think Gunther is going to be the first challenger for Cody Rhodes with the, as he wins the title from Roman Reigns. And I think Gunther is going to be like the first foil. I think they'll lean into the match, like the little pairing they had at the end of the Royal Rumble. I can absolutely see that being a thing. Um, I think with some of the shows coming up um, out of the country, I think Gunther is going to be a big part of them. I can absolutely see him having a really big second half of this year. So, I, And I think he's going to lose this match, though. And I, I think it'll be for Sheamus, so Sheamus can finally have that moment where he wins the IC title, and now he's won all the titles. They can even spin this off and have Sheamus and Drew have another match after it, which are always really good. Andrew, I'm saying Sheamus. Talk to us about this one and, uh, and your thoughts on Gunther. I love watching Gunther work. I, I loved Walter. I'm calling him Walter because that's the way Nigel McGinnis always used to call his mm -hmm. matches on NXT. Walter, not Walter, but Walter in capital letters. The capital letters are key there. Vault. Yes. Now, when Gunther came up, that was around the time we started hearing things about why Adam Cole left WWE. And there were rumors about changing his look, cutting his hair, making him somebody's manager. And then you start hearing all this stuff about Walter and Gunther. And you're just going, please don't screw him up. Please don't screw him up. Please don't screw him up. He's easy. All you need to do is send him out there, have him do the pose with his hands behind his back in the long overcoat, then have him go to the ring and chop the hell out of everything that moves. Well, that's basically what they've been doing. And shocker, it's worked. Say it with me, everybody. Wrestling is at its best when it is simple. And there's nothing more simple than a big foreign guy beating the living daylights out of everybody else. So let's put him in with two other big guys who enjoy beating the crap out of everybody else and being quite stiff. And two guys that are also, by the way, outside the ring, very, very good friends who are probably enjoying every single bit of this. I'm going to love this match. This is going to be Me so too. much fun. I agree with you, Gino. I think this is Sheamus's title to win solely because McIntyre seems a little bit above an icy title. He doesn't need it. Sheamus, I think, gets a lot more out of it. And it makes a lot of sense to use this as, okay, Gunther never lost the IC title. Somebody else was pinned during the match. And then you move him up into a spot where maybe he's Cody's main challenger. Maybe you do something else with somebody else of a higher stature. But it would not surprise me at all if Gunther was in a main event of WrestleMania in 2024. That is how well he has been handled. And for as much as we criticize WWE for all the times they've gotten it wrong, we need to give them credit for getting this one right. Koopaloop.
Gunther, Sheamus, Drew, how do you see this one playing out? Man, uh, talk about physical appearances, people that are looking good. You know, he he was had had some quote unquote baby fat, yeah, you know, in NXT. Mm-hmm. This guy looks like a million bucks now. He he just does. Um you talk about a, a rocket. This is a guy that probably could handle uh, a world title this year and, and be able to pull it off. Uh, I agree. I don't think Drew wins this at all. I He's he's the third uh, choice of the three. Gunther and Sheamus right there even. I could see Sheamus pinning Drew here. Um, you talk about, you know, matches of the weekend. This definitely has the potential here. But Gunther is, uh, man, it is uh, – and it keeps being being brought up as as WrestleMania gets closer. You go back to to poor Keith Lee tweeting, you know, when they made this big change from uh, Walter or as AC says Walter to Gunther, and, and he tweeted, "Man, this is not going to end well." Well, it's uh, he, he's on a nice ride right now, and I'm glad that both guys in the Imperium's been with him because they've helped get him over. Not the that present- he needed it, but it, it's a good look. The presentation is good. Yeah. Um, DZ, I mean, he has had incredible matches with everybody. I mean, everyone he has a match with is good, but just think about some of the matches he's had on SmackDown this year. I mentioned with Braun, he had a couple great ones with Ricochet and then a legitimate match of the year candidate with Sheamus. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other, whether it be Gunther or Sheamus here. Um, I'll just add this. Uh, in addition to all the, the things that have been said about Gunther, it has been so refreshing to see him give validation back to the Intercontinental Championship. Absolutely. Because it this feels has been a like title, a big deal. Yeah, this has been a title that has at times disappeared. Last year, Ricochet yeah. and Finn Balor were, were the U.S. and the IC champs, and neither one was defended yeah. on, on a two-night show. Yep. Disappeared. Not even, yeah, not even, not even showing up on pay-per-views. We would go weeks on end without seeing them on TV. It made absolutely no sense. And Gunther has certainly brought the title back to where it should be. I still wish they never changed it because I hate the new design and I miss the old version. But that being said, um, it's great that this title has some, you know, spark to it once again. And if Sheamus gets it, uh, I think it sticks around at that level as well, so I'm good either way. Yeah, um, that is the IC title match. So we're up to the two main event matches, the two matches that have had really the, the strongest builds along the way. So, DZ, let's stick right here with you, and uh, let's talk Usos versus KO and Sami Zayn. This was a dance that they did really well. It, you know, Sami Zayn was super over, and the bloodline story that they have been telling over the last couple of years is one of the best stories they have ever told. When you think about Andre and Hogan, when you think about the mega powers collide. When you think about Austin and Mr. McMahon and the best stories they've ever told, the bloodline one is honestly, is honestly better when you think about the longevity and the moving pieces and how long it's been going on a weekly TV show compared to all the other ones, but it really is going to go down as a great one. And they've done a really good job of branching this off and getting Kevin Owens and Sammy back to being buddies and feeling like a tag team that is a main event tag team. And this is a tag team match that I've been seeing people on social media say they're more excited about than 
really any tag team matches in WWE that they could remember over the last few years. This is going to be a good one. The emotion is there. The build is there. And this has got to be the moment that they've come together for KO mania and uh, WrestleZania, right? Yeah. I, you know, the one thing that, that kind of sticks with me here is that, look, I, I fully expect Owens and Zane to win like everybody else. Let me ask this question. Does it make the outcome of the main event far too predictable if the Usos lose? And that's, is it? If, is there any you know, way, is there any way, shape or form that the Usos lose and you could see that happen and then actually believe that Roman can still win? No. And I'm not yes, saying I can. You can? Yes, because you wind up going from a storyline where everybody implodes to something where Roman slowly seethes and thinks he's the only one in the bloodline that's worth a damn. And that winds up leading to the prediction that I'll talk about when we talk about the main event. Okay. Okay. Called foreshadowing kids. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's been, it's been one of the best stories that they've told in a very long time. It's fantastic. How many different characters that they've included in this story it's been marvelously done that they've been able to encapsulate so many different WWE uh, stars in this story for going for so long. Um, if it does end on Saturday or Sunday, uh, a part of me is going to be upset about it because yeah, it's me too. Because so, I wanted to keep going. It's I been do so damn good, and I'll talk about that when we get to the main event. But it is hard, and I. I get it. WWE can swerve the shit out of you at times. It is hard to picture a scenario where Owens and Zane don't win this match. Yeah. I've, uh, Andrew, I've announced these two guys in Monrovia in front of like 80 people, KO and Sammy. And then just to think about the trajectory that they've had from a year ago, where going into WrestleMania, in the WrestleMania season, there were rumors about these two guys, like at the end of 2021, leaving WWE and possibly signing with AEW. And then last year at WrestleMania, Kevin Owens closes one of the shows with stone cold. And you've got Sammy who does the job for Johnny Knoxville. And he's in the whole jackass feud following that he's doing the conspiracy gimmick. This was supposed to be like a one-off thing that they loved and they kept going with it. They were just supposed to pair Sammy with the bloodline like one night and they kept running with it. And it's, it's just a testament to everybody involved from Sammy to KO to Heyman to the Usos to solo to Roman. They've all done a fantastic job. All the producers, writers, everyone with this. It's been great for this tag match. What do you think is happening? I mean, are we just going to get the, the baby face win? And is this, is this what closes night one? It sure seems like a long time ago, we saw Kevin Owens tweet out the latitude and longitude of Mount Rushmore. Right. As right. an homage to his PW his buddies. Days, where yep. he ran with the Young Bucks and a couple of other guys. Um, and also, by the way, seems like a long, long, long time ago where Sami Zayn gets called up from NXT to face John Cena in the open challenge. The crowd goes insane. And Sami Zayn's body just quits. That's the only way I can describe it. Yeah. If Sami Zayn stays healthy, how different are the following five or six years? It's 
amazing the way they have managed to build this storyline and remind us that when WWE throws its back into it and when they say, gosh darn it, we're going to tell this story from start to finish. We care, right? We're going to make sure that we keep we keep an eye on all the little details and we don't yeah. say, oh, they're not going to care about that. Or we're not, like, week to week, it's like a drama. It's a, sh- a TV show that we would watch. It was told that well. When they do that, they are among the best storytellers in the world at what they do. And that is why it has been so frustrating the couple of times where it seems like they've had nothing better to do other than to throw Roman Brock 9,000 at us. This time we have a bulldozer. You know, it's it's frustrating <laughs> and it's why we give them so much crap. But this is so good. It is so well done and it makes you care about everyone in the storyline, even the auxiliary players. Solo Sokoa is going to be a major star at some point because of his involvement in this storyline. And he is, by this count, let's see, Sammy, Kevin, Roman, the Usos, Heyman, the seventh most important guy in this story? Yeah. It's insane what they've been able to do. And I am enthusiastic for this match. I don't think you can justify the Usos walking out with the belts, but sometimes the best stories are the ones you can see coming. And we've been able to see this coming for a little while now. And it's unfortunate that it's going to end at WrestleMania, but at the same time, if they put forth the kind of energy that they put into this storyline into whatever is next, man, that's going to be fun. Like the false finishes at the end of this match, Coop, if Solo Sokoa is out there with the Usos, helping them cheat, and just the last few minutes of this match back and forth, the crowd should be going nuts. Do we have KO and Sammy as the heavy favorites in this one? And how do you think this plays out? It is the absolute biggest favorite by far of the weekend they open it i don't even know if this is even real on the board minus, minus four thousand <laughs> and sammy um you know i was going to try to play devil's advocate uh with this match um doing some you know some reading and some research today and then i see that and there's no way that ko and sammy turn on each other this probably this this probably needs to be the main event of night one. I, I, I look. I know we're about to get to the main event. I'm not bitter about it. I just think that you know, Sammy Zayn was, Zane, was, was Sammy hotter. More over as a baby but face I, at that moment. Yeah, did the story and, make more sense? For him. It did because I'm in the and you know as long as we've been doing this week in wrestling you know I'm a hey let's do who's hot now but now. look it, it's it's worked out and I completely understand but there's just no way possible I see the Usos winning I, I just I I don't this has to be KO and Sammy and you talk about a fun tag team uh, not only in ring but doing promos backstage on Mondays and Fridays, uh, it's it's going to be refreshing because it seems like as, ro- as long as Romans had the title, it seems like the Usos have had those those tag team titles for a while too. Both of them. You know, we, yep. do, do, do we think they're ever going to split? And that's the, the thing tag with both, right? The tag team titles after this 
maybe and, and the the main title after this are we going to get back to splitting them up at some point or um you know i i think it was a little bit better having the multiple when you have you know different guys that can go after them but no idea if that's the plan moving forward so coop while we have you while we're talking about the uh this one let's just transition right on over we know what's closing night 2 roman versus cody last year Brock Lesnar didn't feel like it was the time for him to dethrone Roman. Even a couple years ago, what was it? Edge and Daniel Bryan, right? It didn't, Edge had made his return, but once they put Daniel Bryan in there, we sort of knew it was kind of funky. This year, it felt like there were two guys that legitimately could have beat Roman. I don't know. Did they pick the right one? And do you think it's going to be him? Do they, is it Cody right here? Do they do something where they have Roman win again, get to the thousand days and they keep telling this story? Or is this Cody Rhodes? Uh, well, first and foremost, you know, AC, I enjoyed the bulldozer moment uh, last year. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I was there. I was there in person. Just a little bit. That was fun, it but was. still you can only throw that map out there so many times. And See, that's, really very that's very true. How for a long time. Yeah. And I'm going to name names on this. Vince didn't build anybody. Okay. Triple H comes in, and in the span of six, eight months, he booked two guys that you can easily see knocking off the guy. Credit to him. I I completely agree. Look, if Cody loses this match, man, you talk about it. It's just who who is it? Right, who is it? Where do you go? Who is the next person? If it wasn't Sammy, if it wasn't Cody, who is the next person out there? Right, and I know they were hanging on for a glimmer of hope for The Rock, but that, that that's in all likelihood never going to happen. Cody minus 550 is the opening uh, offshore odds here. Uh, I don't like the neck tattoo, uh, but uh, the <laughs> dude has, from what he went through, and look, this was on him, going over, starting a new promotion, and then just early on in his AEW career, Gino, as you and I both know, loses a match where he can't challenge ever for the AEW world title. And, and to come back and do this and a pectoral tear, uh, yeah, th- this is your guy that dethrones Roman Reigns. DZ, your man, Roman Reigns. Is this the moment where uh, where he loses the title to Cody? And do we get you know, the Usos and Solo trying to come out there. And then do we get something like Sammy and KO and some shenanigans? Is is there a whole bunch of stuff like that happening? Is it going to be cleaner than that? How do you see this playing out? I, I think, I think Cody is a mistake. I think it's a long-term mistake. It may get you a pop Sunday night. And I say may because WrestleMania crowds are weird and, even as Roman becomes a deeper and deeper heel, when you go to events in person, this bloodline crew gets a lot of love. Despite whatever pop Cody may get and they'll sing in the, oh, louder in the song and all that stuff. Um, I think you fired him up too quick. He came in the Rumble at 30. He's wrestled like two matches in the last three months. Um, I think this had to be something longer. I think you had to make him chase a little bit like you used to do in the old school days, maybe up to a SummerSlam event or something to that effect. Uh, and I'm not entirely sold that you don't get a major swerve here and Roman doesn't win this match. Because at the end of the day, if this bloodline story goes away, it is a massive, massive pivot to something else that you need to come up with. 
And this we've been, been down such a big part of the TV for it's a couple of years now. The thing on TV for a couple of years now. And I'm not saying that they don't have the confidence that they can come up with something else to do, but we've seen what's happened to Cody in the past with this whole baby face, do it for daddy type nonsense. And you can only run that out there for so long before people start to shit all over you. I totally and, agree. I totally and, agree with you, DZ. And yeah, I mean, like I said, you get the pop. Great. Okay. He wins. You get a pop. He comes out on raw, gets a pop when he comes out. But the more that he talks about his dad and the title, and it's a dream come true. And he's this glorified baby face. Now they're going to get sour on that kind of Hulk Hogan shit. Real, real fast. I think so too. I think he, I think he wins. I think he wins, but I I can see him winning and then not long after turning heel or having to turn heel because of that. And I think he would be fine in that role. But Andrew, take it away here, my friend. How, what's going to happen in the main event, night two? You know what we need to end this show with? Some wacky booking. Okay, here we go. Everyone get tied on for this one. Yes, we're going into the Andrew Champagne booking corner, so uh-huh. everybody get prepared for some really weird shit. So I think Cody's got to win. I think if you've built Cody up this much, if you're going to the extent that you're going to, to get Cody back last year, and I firmly believe this was the plan all along, even if the pectoral tear sidelined him for six to eight months. I firmly believe the plan was you bring him back at one WrestleMania and the next year he's in the main event and he's the guy that beats Roman. I think that was the recruiting pitch. So you got to put Cody over. I think the bloodline starts imploding. And I think we not only get the main event of next year's WrestleMania by the end of Raw on Monday night, but we get the appearance of another Samoan. I think you couldn't do the Rock versus Roman Reigns this year. 40's a nice round number, and that's one of the few dream matches you've got left. If I'm Triple H, you hand Dwayne Johnson a check with as many zeros as he wants. You get that on his schedule now, and you spend the next year building Reigns back up, which isn't going to take a whole heck of a lot because this iteration of Roman Reigns is the one that got over the way Vince McMahon wanted him to get over as a baby face. And then that main events, either night one or night two of WrestleMania 40 next year. But, but let me, let me ask you this though. Okay. Cause now you got a year. What do you do with Roman for the next year? It's it what, worked, well, it, yeah, it worked with Cena. It might be a little, you kind of put him in no man's land a little bit though. Well, I mean, I like the idea of it, too, but yeah, jump in, please. The one thing that we haven't heard that much about that is a legitimate problem with Roman. He signed a deal a year or two ago that got him a vastly reduced number of dates. I think you put him away for a little while, not long, you bring him back for the build to SummerSlam in you know, June or July, but there's only so much you can do based on how many dates he's going to work for you. Looking forward to seeing what goes down on WrestleMania weekend. WrestleMania 39 coming up night one and night two. 
well, we did it, fellas. We got two minutes before the two-hour mark comes up, so we'll be Quick, able to everyone go home. Go we'll home, be go able home. to stream this to uh, to Twitter without it being cut off, which is which is nice and fun, and um, we'll be able to pick your brains on uh, everything that happened in the in the following weeks coming up. Andrew and Darren join me on that's what G said all the time for the old wrestling rewatch. We are coming up on a hundred, just a few away, which is nuts. Make sure to give Andrew a follow on Twitter at Andrew Champagne. Give Darren a follow at at the track on Twitter. Give Chad Cooper a follow at the Chad Cooper. He's here each and every week with me on that's what G said for this week in wrestling, where we talk all about WWE, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and AEW, uh, part of our weekly recaps and reviews. So, Fellas, you three have been such a big part of That's What G Said from the very beginning. Hours and hours and hours of fun and laughs and, and work. I mean, we're all we're watching all these things, but it I know that you have lives and you guys have other things going on and you, you sit down and you put in the work and the time to watch this stuff and then come hang out with me. So I really thank you all uh, every time. And DZ, love you, buddy. Andrew, love you, buddy. Chad Coop, love you, buddy. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Make sure to give all of them a follow. And uh, we'll be back talking wrestling again very soon on That's What G Said. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse 
and you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Make sure to join us every more every weekend, Friday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. for this weekend in Stable Duel. Now, this weekend, we won't be having that show um, because I've got the funeral stuff on Thursday and then into Friday. Barry and Matt are going to be traveling. But back next week and then all throughout the Keeneland meet for the next month, we are going to be having giveaways. Every Friday, I spoke with Bree Mott, so she told us that we can put some money into some of your stable dual accounts. We'll have different contests, different promotions every Friday morning, 10 o'clock a.m., and it's the no-chalk zone. It's a completely different show than you're used to in horse racing. We only give out horses that are 5-1 to one and up. We don't even bother with the short-priced horses because we truly want to help you make money and put money in your accounts. So every weekend... Friday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. Myself, Matt DeSantis, Barry Spears, this weekend in Stable Duel. Let's dive into the uh, the horse racing portion of this episode. It's the Florida Derby deep dive. We've got thoughts on all 10 of the stakes races with Barry Spears. He joins me right now. Let's get on into it. Florida Derby card, big one for Gulfstream Park Saturday. Kick back and enjoy. We talk for about an hour all about the Saturday card. Final round of Kentucky Derby preps continue on this weekend. Two tracks have their big, big days. It's Oaklawn Park and the Arkansas Derby, and it's Gulfstream Park and the Florida Derby. Ten stakes races, five graded stakes races, and Barry Spears, the sniper. My good friend is going to join me here to talk about the stakes (laughs) races on the Gulfstream Park Saturday card. How you doing, buddy? Hanging in there, my man. How you doing? Good, good. So... Earlier in the week, it sounded like you may be able to make the trip out to Gulfstream, but you're going to be doing some work with Tampa this weekend. So uh, you'll be hanging out at Tampa. Our buddy Matt DeSantis, he's making the journey on over to Gulfstream Park. And like always, man, these are good cards all throughout. Like the undercards are strong. And what's cool about this, you get a little bit of everything. Some of these races are better betting races, but we get to see the horse who right now is the favorite for the Kentucky Derby. So everybody's curious just to see how Forte does. And, you know, does he win this race? Can he use this as a nice stepping stone to likely be the uh, the post-time favorite come Kentucky Derby? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, right now he's he's definitely the front runner. Um, and and honestly, it, it's just the, the rest of the horses haven't really shaken themselves out. Yeah, no, you're right. And and if, if that happens, you know, if that trend carries over for the next month, you know, it's going to be hard to beat him. Yeah, he's done nothing wrong. We'll talk about Forte in just a moment. But first, 
Let's talk about all these great undercard stakes races. If you want to follow along with us, we're looking at the DRF past performances. You've all used the daily racing form out at the racetrack. But what's nice now, you can use DRF.com and everything is so nice and easy to use. As you'll see, we can click one click and pull up a chart. We can take one click and pull up a race replay. One click and get trainer statistics, pedigree information, basically everything you need all right here for you, DRF.com. Race three is when the stakes races start, my friend. And just a, a horse to mention right off the top, because as we record on Wednesday night, the odds for a lot of these races have not been posted yet. So we're getting a, a nice early look at them. But the the horse who beat Harry Time last time out, Far Bridge, is an absolute monster. Um, <laughs> this is a really, really nice three-year-old. And if you just sort of start the conversation of the race with Harry Time, he does look like he makes a little like a lot of sense. He's raced twice in, in the U.S. He's improved in each of those starts. And like we said last time out, he ran into a, a really nice horse, and he was second that day. I'm always going to be uh, curious to see where Far Bridge you know, shows up and when he runs because you just don't see horses win like that early on the way he did it um, in his couple turf races. So how are you seeing the, the Cutler Bay shakeout? You know, it's, it's hard – when you when you have a collection of horses that are lightly raced on the turf because the improvement comes in bunches as yep. they say you know you got to uh, kind of pick who you think is coming out of the best races at the because, right time the right, right horse at the right time yes usually with with these kind of races because you know they they're in and out of form you see you can see in the past performances you see a horse run a really good number or really good race and then have a, a, a terrible one. The, the, the consistency just isn't there yet for these younger yeah. horses. And, and it's, it's, it's a tough read. It's always a tough read, especially when you have big connections like, uh, you know, Todd Pletcher, Eclipse Thoroughbreds. They got King's Fortune in this race. Who mm -hmm. His maiden was very, very good. It, it was, was a very good race. But he's stepping up into stakes company, so and, and he draws the outside. So yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to fade horses like that in this race. But um, the two inside horses actually really, really caught my eye. Cool Kiss and Drinking Problem. Um, I, I think they're the the ones that might be in the, at the right place at the right time, especially mm -hmm. Cool Kiss, because that horse ran pretty good back uh, in September at Woodbine going seven um, in the debut race, even though it was restricted company. You know, it, it's easy to see how, you know, a horse that has a little bit of ability on, on the turf can what what they could do i yep. mean he, he drew off by three um in a race that he was dead last in um for a, a good part of that race um then you know kind of goes through the the progressions and went into two spots where that horse probably was never going to win then they get to a more sensible spot first start of the of, of 2023 and he runs pretty good and now they get him back on the turf and that's why i i think this horse has a good shot um and and drinking problem might have a pace advantage here that's the other reason why you know that's the reason why i like that horse might be lone speed and and that could carry in a race like this where you know young horses have, have difficulty understanding how to pass and you know horses that get out out to the front usually do a lot better than ones that don't the horse who I thought was a little intriguing to maybe at least use underneath or spice some things up was Anglophile, who was a winner on the turf last time out. Didn't get the the best of figures, but it was earlier on in the two-year-old season 
right? So a lot of times those figures are are a little lower and you don't see quite as, as good. And this horse has been off and had some time off. I would have loved to see a race and there may be like a work or two missing here. Like this is definitely a horse that's on my radar though. I think might be a little bit better than the, the speed figures would suggest and is bred beautifully for the grass. Like it like no was no surprise at all to see this horse run yeah. Um, w- well on the turf last time out I just I don't know if this is the exactly what you were saying for the other two this is probably not the spot for this horse it might right. be the next race the next one right down be- but but a horse to keep on my radar because I do think there's some ability here it's just it's, it's probably not the right spot unless the price is so enticing that I say okay I'll take a little swing here but it might it might be yeah, and, and it could and it might be <laughs> you know it might, it might be enough to just at least throw in some spots but Keep an eye on this horse for a good run this time and then maybe play back next time out, you know, in a month or so on um, uh, next time back. So the debut race was kind of live. The most strike beat Forte and disarm and, uh, disarm is in there. Finished third. And yeah, some of your we, courage is not bad either. Yeah. We look at four at four next out winners in this race, too. And then a, and a couple of them have come back to be really nice horses. So, uh, yeah, some positives for a horse who should offer you a, a good amount of value here on the outside. Anglo yeah. fly uh, Anglo file. Here's a look at the Cutler Bay. That's the first of the 10 stakes races on the Saturday card. That is race number three. As we roll along, let's move to the fifth race. It's the grade two Pan American. Uh, When we talked uh, last time on the Fountain of Youth day on all about the Fountain of Youth undercard, a horse that we were sort of talking ourselves into because they looked like they were lone speed in the race was a bond and a bond scratched out of that race that day. Uh, is back, but he's a horse who takes money a lot. Again, he probably looks like the horse to catch in here. Um, I kind of like the horse who I think, or, or one of the horses who I think could be close to him, Barry. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to look at this race thinking he may be the horse to catch. I like rise the guy a little bit in this spot. He's a horse who's seven now. And if you look at rise, the guy, he's actually best at these longer distances when he can sit up close and just get like a nice tracking trip. And I think that's what he's going to get in here. If, if you look at his form, so this is a horse who's a stakes winner. He's great at stakes placed. And he was off from October of 2021 to March of 2023. And when he came back, it was just a total prep for him. Shake off some of the rust, get a race under your belt. And he wasn't really close because it's going a mile and a 16th. He's not like fast. He's just able to track at these longer distances. I hope he sits right behind a bond. I think he's going to be way, way sharper. Now second start off the bench. He's got about a month off since his last start. And this is, this is his game. Now this is much more of his game. You know, you can look at, he lost to lone rock a few times in a row here, and he's not necessarily a horse. Who's a win machine. But I think he fits pretty well with this group, and he can sit in a nice spot. How are you seeing the Pan American shape out? Well, one thing about Rise the Guy um, before I, I yeah please. tell you who I like is, you know, it, it's very interesting because now we're going to get into a little bit of wagering slash just you know kind of theory on 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 how the races work. So you look at Ian Wilkes and his his. Uh, his percentages with, with layoffs of this kind, and they're not good. Um, but these are the type of horses that win at a huge price. And, yes. and everybody's like, how? 
but it's there. You know, the, the horse clearly has talent. He hasn't been out in a couple of years. He, these and, are the types of horses that I like to play, you like to play, and we get to as a mm-hmm. – when you're looking for price horses, you're looking for horses who you know are good enough on their best day, but they, they're not con- – their form isn't all that consistent, and that's why they're going to be a price. And right. then you got to just make – you got to look at their form and find some reasons why they didn't always run the best races those days. If you can make an excuse for them, well, then boom, they're not consistent. They're not the most likely winners, but that's how you find prices a lot of the time is looking right. for horses like this. And especially in a race like this, where you have a horse who's really, really lone speed on paper, like a bond looks like totally in control of this race. Yep. However, that horse has just not been the same. No, I, I mean, since, look how much since money last year's Pan American, yep. since last year's Pan American, this horse has not been the same and, and there's no explanation for it. And it's like, he's just given up on, on, on running itself. It was just trot around there, do the Pepe Le Pew and, and kind of skip around. And that's it. Um, that being said, I want a horse that's going to be up close because mm-hmm. this pace just protect you know projects to be very very slow rise the guy was definitely on my radar at a huge price that probably um and bay street money is yep. the other horse um i like the way outside draw i agree because you know the horse inside he's of gonna, he's going right and, and you can he just can follow just him. tag along right just tag along exactly and and, and that's what i call the louis size trip and where he sits right off your flank takes over at the top of the stretch and wins so that's what I'm kind of hoping for with Bay Street Money on Saturday. Yeah, I think it's a good spot for Bay Street Money also. Oh, and his form, again, once you really glance at it and you start to go through each of his races, he really it's hasn't run good. a bad race right. in I a mean, long honestly. time. Like the last two years. Like his yeah. last 10 races are all pretty solid. Solid. You know, even he's beaten two lengths down here when he's at Saratoga and he finishes seventh, but he had legitimate trouble that day. Comes back off of a, a few months, switches barns, and he rattles off two wins in a row. Then he's a, a close-up third behind English B, uh, a classy individual. And then last time out, he's against graded stakes foes in just a race that's a little bit too slow up front. And he, he gets hooked a little too far back, stretching out now. By default, he's just going to naturally be closer up. Well, just look here. at the, the the jock selections. Absolutely. Um, for this horse. And 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 you see, they want to be aggressive. Yep. And and that's, the, I, I think, Louis is the perfect fit in this race for him. Bay Just Street. Everything in the right the way. Going the right way. That's that's what we want. Going the right direction. Yep. Bay Street money is the play for Barry and a horse who can sit a good trip. Uh, I I like Rise the Guy sitting a nice trip. I have no problem including Bay Street money as well. Masterpiece is a horse who will take a good amount of money dropping, uh, kind of dropping. It's a graded stakes race, also a grade two here, but had faced grade one company and was coming out of the Breeders' Cup. So overall, a little class relief, but he was fine last time out. I liked him in that spot. The problem with him sometimes, he's just a little too far back, you know, with his running style. So he can be at the mercy. And in this race, if, if we're not sure if they're going all that fast, I could see a similar type race for him, right? Closing sure. for a good yeah. third or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's a look at race number five, the grade two Pan American, the first of the graded stakes races on the Saturday card. We head to race number seven for our next look. At a stakes race. This one is the Ghost Zapper Barry. We're going a mile and a 16th on the main track here, four year olds and up. Talk to us uh, about this field where 
We've got what first captain, who's a, a horse we saw in some graded stakes last year. Simplification knows Gulfstream well, kind of showed back up with a good third in the Gulfstream Park Mile last out. I'm sure he'll get a lot of support there. And uh, those are probably two that are some of the most familiar uh, in this race as far as the the namesakes. Yeah, this this race, I, 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 you know, while I was looking at the past performances, I dubbed it the the race that nobody wants to win. Yes. Um, yes. You see the last race for everybody in this field, and yep. it's like, wow, it's hard to come up with somebody for this I race. I mean, it's hard to even figure out the pace scenario. Who's going to go to the lead? I don't know. I mean, it's it's really tough. I, I you would like to think s- simplification would, but I don't know if that horse really wants to. Um, and that brought me to all the way to the outside, the twelve volt thing. I, I think that horse has some good races. Um, and kind of doing a similar pattern uh, to how this horse got to this race last year. Ran on January 22nd, then ran on April 2nd in this exact same race and was beaten pretty handily by, uh, at that point, a, a really good fearless. Yes. And greatest honor was in that race also. So that wasn't too bad of a race, you know, with the same spacing uh, of layoff because he ran on Pegasus Day in the Hooper and did not run a step stumbled early just wanted no part of it after that so i can forgive that especially the horse with with you know that's not really going to get bet heavily i think a lot of people are going to gravitate to to uh, first captain um and maybe surely furious but I, I i can't i can't bet any of those with confidence at a short price and you know the second horse that really caught my eye was simplification just for the fact that he has tactical speed can be up close can be in the middle um and 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 runs pretty good at gulfstream so you know and i don't think that horse is going to be favored either so the and like like we're saying uh, simplification to me is i i think the horse to beat in here just from with the back class and the kind of trip he should be able to sit in here i'll probably depending on the price, get with Surly Furious, mainly like we were saying that's, I think he's got to go from here. And mm-hmm. I think he, I think looking at some of his races. So if we just sort of dive into his last, you know, three, for example, he comes off the bench in the Mr. Prospector. So that race is going seven furlongs and he draws the rail that day. Not so as big. he just got shuffled back. Right. And mm-hmm. it's a worse sort of race and trip than it seems, and he actually ran into Sibelius uh, that day, who's a nice horse, and we saw Sibelius come back and run really well um, back to uh, after the Mr. Prospector at Tampa, winning yep. the Pelican, and then it, what, Dubai, right? Yep, this course too. Machine. So, mm-hmm. uh, following that, which wasn't in the past performances quite yet, so, um, obviously, you know, that form is franked and looks even better, and then last time out, Sort of looking and watching the the race here. Surly Furious is the five uh, in the race that we're watching at Tampa Bay Downs. Barry Spears was on the broadcast this day over at Tampa Bay. Uh, <laughs> I think I could hear his voice in the background giving us a last second thought before they load. No chalk the zone. No chalk zone. <laughs> <laughs> so Surly Furious here is the five in this race, and he had to take up early on. So you see, he's kind of in between horses. He settles down towards the inside. And he's only within, he gets a nice like turn right here and he cuts the corner. So he's within two lengths um, at the rail and he's going to get a nice opening in here. He's going to finish third in this race behind Skippy Longstocking and Tax. And that's just sort of what it comes down to. 
those two horses in this race would be favored. Either one of them, Skippy Longstocking or Tax. And I just think coming out of that race, he's coming off of a, a, a pretty decent effort. And I, I think most people will look at him and think he's only a synthetic horse because all of his wins have come on the synthetic. But he actually has some speed figures on the dirt that are even better than his synthetic races. And he has a couple good dirt races early on. So here's the the five going to get a nice opening inside. He moves through the uh, this opening, kind of takes the lead. But then he just gets run down by two horses that are better than him, like right to the outside, uh, Skippy Longstocking, and Tax is going to loom up to the outside here too. I don't think this was a horrible effort, and I just sort of hope they get more aggressive with him, Barry, because like we said, there's not any for sure, for sure proven speed in here. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a tough read. This is a, this is one of those races that doesn't have like a huge field, but it's an awfully hard read. And it yep. wouldn't surprise me if, you know, any one of these horses can win. Seriously, like, no, you're right. There's there's really I, well, then, I wouldn't be surprised by anybody in this race. There's a reason why these horses are in a spot like this, because. They're all, they're a little inconsistent. They're not quite like the top, top tier of graded stakes horses. These, these horses all have some ability, but they're not like in the best of form right now. They're not all trending in the greatest direction. This is sort of a starting point for a few of these horses. So not, yeah, not easiest race to get a grasp on. Surly Furious, one I give a look to. Barry gives a look to 12 Volt Man. We both feel like Simplification will run a good race and, and probably not one you want to keep out of your exotics here. And uh, race number seven, the Ghost Zapper. Up next, it's another stakes race. It's one right next door. Barry, race number eight is the grade three Orchid. They'll go a mile and a half in here for fillies and mares, four-year-olds and up. And like is uh, the case with uh, with many of these turf races, you'll get an import or two. And huh. we have a couple for Christophe Clement with Amazing Grace and Atomic Blonde, um, and both of them are group stakes winners. A- Amazing Grace is m- multiple group one placed. Amazing Grace has some very, very nice form, Barry. And mm-hmm. I think from a talking point, these these two are both very intriguing because I think if either one of them, like especially this horse, shows up with a good effort, she's beat Atomic Blonde, who's also in this race. Mm-hmm. And... She's she could be really really tough here. Yeah, I, I mean, on paper, Amazing Grace looks like a standout. Yeah, compared I think to so these, because uh, um, I just don't love the rest of this field, right? Of no. the local horses that we know, right? Which it's, it feels like it's ripe for a new face. Yep, exactly. And this is a, a a pretty soft spot, considering you know what Amazing Grace has been doing in uh, mm-hmm. in Germany and France. Um, yeah, I. I if this horse is even half of what <laughs> what she was doing in in Europe, uh, yeah, this this field's in trouble. Um, a, a long shot that that caught my eye, or a horse that I think a projected long shot, will be Miss Yearwood. Um, yep. If you look at that race, it was definitely a great comeback race for which set this horse up for this one. Um, now she might not win. But I think the effort is going to be there. She's really going to be much improved because mm-hmm. what I like to look at is if you look at the past performances, uh, the layoff line comes after the September 17th race. Yep. Then comes back and runs a comparable number to what 
she was running before she got laid off. Mm-hmm. I mean, 83 and 91 are, that's her are second close best enough. Figure. Yeah, I mean, right. it's her second best figure that she's ever run. Exactly. And and that, you know, just time, you know, time and time again, horses like this show another improvement off of those kind of efforts after the layoff. So I'm looking for that one to run pretty good, um, yep. probably at a bigger price, too. Yeah, and she chased lone speed. Last time out, and she was way out of it. So the race shape was was just up against her. Faith in humanity, while it looks like they went pretty quick, she was just out there coasting and cruising, and there was no passing in that race at all. So I agree, she's sneaky. You've uh, you've liked this one for a while, and she's run some like she's capable of running some big races. Like she's she's got some ability here too. Uh, for me, I guess a couple of the like the longer shots. If you're just looking for prices or others to throw in, um, I thought. You know, transient oh, is is pretty consistent. That was a good effort last time out behind Milady and had some did have some legitimate trouble in that uh, in that race. And then personal best is just pretty honest overall. Like this horse beat transient last time out and just continues to fire big race after big race after big race. So um, those are two that you know w- wouldn't shock me. But I really do think that if if the two imports show up, and particularly uh, Amazing Grace. She might be very, she might be really nice. And she could, she could like, this could be soft spot here. And then we see her in a big race on Oaks and Derby weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely makes sense. Let's uh, move along to race number nine. We'll go seven furlongs on the dirt. It's a dirt sprint, not a great stakes race, but a hundred thousand dollars stakes. It's the Sir Shackleton. This one kicks off the rainbow pick six. I think they try to keep that eighth race out of it because they thought maybe that one would be a little too chalky. easy, a yeah. little chalky. Yeah, a little chalky to keep out of the uh, the late exotics. How you see this one unfold? Who are some of the horses on your radar here? Oh, this is another one that that was kind of a doozy because all these horses, you know. They've been running hard and against each other kind of uh, for a little while. And one that really kind of caught my eye that I was probably too early on was Wayburn. I, I liked him on on the in the allowance race that White Abara won on March 4th. He ran he ran his race like he he needed. Yep. It. Um, he, he didn't really get into it until later in the race, finished up strong. I expect a way better effort, you know, getting the, the, the jock switch over to, to Jose Ortiz, who you know is going to have him in the right spot. This is kind of class relief, so I, I think this horse is going to have his way with this field. Wayburn is I, I, a, a must-exotics use for me. Sort of playing it out, if I'm trying to find a horse that's a price, I think Dean delivers with the inside draw will probably be forwardly placed. Have to have to be a little bit just to kind of keep himself close. You have Octane, who's very quick. Will want to be right on the on the front end. Will want to be close up. I'd imagine that Paco's Pico, who's coming out of the six furlong sprint races, pretty quick, going to be closer than last time out. And look at the last three races that he exits behind sharp horses: Endorsed, Candyman, Rocket, and then Sibelius. So three races in a row losing to horses who are in as good a form as you'll find right now. Um, and then collaborate. Uh, but Mish is, is quick too. So you'll see some speed there. I thought the uh, steel sunshine was a horse who I can maybe get to and make a little bit of a case for okay. overall. This is a four-year-old now who's only going to be making his second start at four. So I think there is a little bit of upside for him and just sort of 
go through his entire career overall. He debuts on the turf, and then in his second start, he crushes breaking his maiden. Following that, he runs into in due time, who was very good at, at that time period. Then he's second behind Skippy Longstocking. He he's in a race. He, they throw him in the Florida Derby with White Abario, Charge It, Simplification. Following that, he drops back to more logical levels, and he runs third. Back-to-back-to-back wins, including two stakes races. And following that, he goes in the Oklahoma Derby. Doesn't really fire, so they give him a few months off. Comes back in the Mr. Prospector, and he really doesn't run that bad behind Sebelius and Dean Delivers. Um, Then he's off again for a few more months. And then last time out, you know, that was probably just a little too tough for him. He was fifth. And just look at the three horses in front of him. All three of those horses. Razor sharp, man. Endorse charge it simplification like any of those horses in this race would be major players, right? (laughs) Major, major players. So it just comes down to him getting the trip. And I think second start back off uh, the bench. We know he likes Gulfstream and he could coming off of that last race where he, he threw in a nice speed figure, which was like a career best for him. Like if he can take a step forward, second start off the bench and have a little more ceiling making just a second start at four. You know, Irad jumps aboard too, so he's he's got to be a little live for Irad yeah. to at least be like, I'm going to take the call on this horse. So talk yourself into uh, Steel Sunshine if the price is right in race number nine. That one kicks off the rainbow pick six. Yeah, don't forget about my prankster either. Yeah, my uh, my prankster. I don't know what the price is. That's the only reason I, I yeah I don't know where this horse is going to fit parimutually in this race. I, I mean, if he's too short. You kind of have to play against them. But if he's um, any anything that you can kind of deem value in this race on him, he has a good resume, right? Oh, he, sure. Yeah. He needs every, to get away from Gunite and Jack Christopher. And, and even when he good. lost, to, you know, this horse, Old Homestead, that was the horse that came in from Delta. That mm-hmm. was freaky at that time. That oh, won yeah. like his first three races. Um, he won the Lafayette. Like this is a, this was a really nice horse. Um, he, he threw up some big speed figures. Even now, he came back recently and, and ran pretty well, uh, making his first start as a four year old. So that that form ha- has looked very good. We'll see if he's ready to rock and roll. Mister Prankster would fit with this group, and that's a look at race number nine, the Sir Shackleton. Race ten is the Sand Springs. We'll go a mile and a sixteenth. On the turf course here, Barry, and we have Phillies and Mares, four-year-olds and up on this one. How are you uh, seeing this? Who are some of the uh, the horses you want to start with? Yeah, the, there's a couple that, that really caught my eye. One is probably going to be the ultimate favorite in here, I think, maybe. I don't know. Um, is market segmentation. Yeah. Uh, his body of work. Is, is consistent and better than everybody else's in here. It looks like, but mm-hmm. his price is not going to be good. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's getting top rider, top connections. They're going to get crushed at the windows. He just so he, horse... he like, he checks all the boxes. He fits yeah, he really definitely. well. Like, yeah, he does. it's just like she run does. of the yeah. mill, but sometimes a lot of those horses are, are almost, it's like, it's almost too easy. Yep. And they become too, like you say, the price just won't, it, it will be hard to get any value there, right? I don't know if this is a horse, if you're playing a pick five, that you're throwing out, right? But if you're talking about, am I playing this race to win? Am I looking to find some value? Am I putting together a stable dual lineup or something like that? Who are some of the other horses who would uh, who would be on your uh, on your radar in, in the uh, mix for you? The horse inside of, of him or her, uh, Cafe Society. Sure. 
looks very, very interesting um, because it looks like they really wanted to get this horse on the turf um, at the beginning or at the end of last year in December. Didn't quite do it. The, the, the race got rained off um, and the horse ended up running good on the dirt. Somehow ends up on the synthetic in a hundred thousand dollar, you know, starter handicap and runs well there. Mm -hmm. But I think this horse wants the turf. And just the fact that this horse hasn't won the turf, hasn't even run on the turf, is probably going to elevate his price a little bit. I, I know the connections do well in these kind of spots, especially first time turf. I think this one's going to be ready. Uh, he's going to give market segmentation all he can handle. And what's nice about a horse like this is that. The fact that she hasn't run on the grass yet, there's a variable there that we don't know about, right? Mm -hmm. So when we're kind of looking at the rest of this field and saying market segmentation is probably like of the horses that are proven, sort of done the most and is probably going to – it looks really good in this spot. There's this like factor that we don't really know about with full tap. You know, Her dam was a multiple winner on the turf, was a three-time winner on the turf, which we always want to see as a positive. And this is the only full that she's produced. So – there's not a ton to go off, but what we have no. is good turf. Like the only things we have to go off would say <laughs> that this horse is going to run well on the grass. Cafe Society as a player in here. One that I uh, I looked at was Princess Theorem. So diving into Princess Theorem a little bit here, she was in the Honey Fox last time out. She was 45 to 1. She finished third behind Faith in Humanity. And she had a good start. She kind of settled. She was back to about seventh, five lengths off. She was chasing lone speed that day. She angled out in between. She closed well. She finished a good third. Now, she was behind market segmentation a few starts back. But keep in mind, that was the first start off a long layoff. She had not raced from March to December at that point. So she probably needed the race coming off the bench. Following that, she's taken steps forward in each of her two starts. And so she may be a horse that people take a look at first glance, see that she was defeated by market segmentation and maybe dismiss, but she ran really well up against it last time out, chasing lone speed, closing into it. And I think she's got some ability here. So princess theorem um, is another one that some of the notes that I had, Barry, when you look at her form too. So race at Keeneland, October 29th in the Valley view, basically, one of the worst races she runs here, yielding turf. Back on firm turf, back on firm turf, good. Then look at these two bad races last year in early 2022. Fairgrounds, good turf, doesn't fire at all. Look at the speed figures compared to the rest of them. The ones that are the outlier are on the the good and yielding turf. This is a, a, a an animal that just wants firmer turf. And now in her last few starts, again, she's got more firm turf and she's run really, really well. We see these fillies and mares a lot of times too get even better when they're like five, like four and five in particular. As they get older, they mature a little bit more. And a Princess Theorem in the mix for me here. Also thought that the, at least from like a pace standpoint, that sweet enough, they are going to get a little more aggressive with sweet enough in here. Because last time, right? <laughs> yeah, they got to. Because last time they sort of just let her sit and faith in humanity went. And that's like, there's not... That Mike love in the air is probably quick and sweet enough. That's probably, I mean, there's nobody that's that fast other than those two, a couple, some other pressers in here. It's, it's those two kind of dictating the, the pace in this race. Yeah, definitely. And 
you know, love in, love in the air has a lot of upside, I think. But Me too. Um, you know, at a big price, I think this horse is going to, you know, force to get position early, which is not a bad thing in a race like this. Um, I, I think that one's going to hang around. There's a look at race number 10. The Sand Springs kicks off the late pick five for you at Gulfstream Park on Saturday. Four more to discuss, and they're all stakes races. Two of them graded stakes races. Kentucky Derby points. Kentucky Oaks points on the line in a few of them. First up, the Sanibel Island is race number 11. This one is uh, seven and a half furlongs on the turf course in here. We have, again, lightly raced Phillies, three-year-olds. Uh, so a lot of these either just broke their maiden or maybe they've taken one shot against stakes company, but they're like maybe a little cup below some of the graded stakes. They want to see where they stack up. A horse who's, who's run really well for a barn who's in good, like really good form right now is Miss Aster, you know, and Miss Aster in her stars, what's nice to see the really good progression in each of them. The debut mm-hmm. was okay. It was at Keeneland finishing in a live race with legitimate trouble, kind of moved into it that day. And following that comes back, shows improvement in the second start at Gulfstream. And then again, another step forward in career start number three. So, you know, she's a horse who I'm looking at, I think with, you know, a little bit of a freshening, but you have a couple turf works since for a barn who's doing well, this is a horse who's definitely going to be on my radar in this race. Oh yeah. Um, this this race looked kind of chalky to me. Yeah, formful, um, just sort of yeah, formful. Because the the love appeals, uh, that that horse looks pretty good. Um, yep, love it, appeals. Was, be, so it was really impressive first time out. Yeah, it, that that horse is going to be really tough in this spot because there really isn't much in here. Uh, that horse Fascia Bella, I, I saw that horse run a few times, three times at Tampa, and I that horse is not in this caliber. Um, breath away is is the one that really caught my eye the most um i like the fact that they're getting back to the turf after running on the synth especially going long i i think that's going to give this horse a nice little foundation for this trip and then aunt shirley is kind of like the 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 question mark because you know nice maiden win then goes way over their head into the (laughs) into the spin away and gets absolutely obliterated then shows up here you know trained by todd pletcher now i'm going to basically kind of take into consideration the 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 board on this one and i'm going to take the longest shot out of those three horses yeah no that makes sense and then if we can get uh this horse to win I'm going to send you a text right away. Watching every motion in my <laughs> foolish lover's game. Oh, take my breath away as we take ourselves. Goose the nice man. Yeah, right. I know. I'm playing some, we get some volleyball out. We get to get some volleyball out there right? on the beach, right? No shirts, shorts. Wear my shorts. aviator glasses and Absolutely. no shirt on. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Rock that. So uh, we'll uh, we'll have some fun with that one. As we continue along to the Gulfstream Park Oaks, that's going to be race number 12. And, you know, just sort of looking at like a lot of the figures in this race, too, we're talking about the Derby with the three year olds. This is a, for the three year old Phillies. And I haven't been wowed by that many of them either this year. You know, just thinking about some of the, the recent years where there were like three or four or five that you kind of knew that 
were really consistent winning through their prep races, just sort of compared to last year, right? When we had three or four big Phillies heading in, it's got a different sort of feel to it this year for sure. Um, Let's talk about the Gulfstream Park Oaks. So who, who do you want to start with in this race? How do you see this thing unfolding? Um, I, I want to start with a horse that, that uh, impressed last time, at least impressed me, is Dorth Vader. Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, absolutely. I, I, I think I think she ran an excellent race. And, and funny enough, the number wasn't even her best figure. You know, Dorothy. if you can believe that, you know, it was clearly her best race, but it wasn't even her fastest race. No, she and she and that race came at Tampa against open company too. Right. It wasn't like it was when she was beating up, like beating up on Florida breads or anything like that. Right. She ran she, in a stakes race. Really good. Uh, I mean, all, I've seen all of her races and um, she's, she's run excellent literally every time, except for the Gasparilla, which was totally unexplained. And she probably shouldn't have even been favored that day. Um, how, how she was favored. I, I have no idea, but um came out of that one ran big in the in the Devona Dale at a huge price I I don't see much in here and I, I think she can get a similar trip to what she got the other day or on the fourth it's not a strong race I mean no like, it's not it's it really, really not like and Dorth Vader ha- is a major major player in here I mean like atomically fits I just I don't want to take that short of a price on her and she's right. gonna get bet again yeah, like she was she was favored in that race in the forward gal against the red carpet ready and undervalued asset which was surprising to me that she was favored over of both of those two but she she does take money and she will again in here I mean she was she was only six to one in the Breeders Cup like in, in the juvenile Phillies to, um, so like she, she fits well in here from a gambling standpoint, there were two, um, you know, that are on my radar, obviously miracles race looks okay with pretty mischievous, um, you know, winning that one pretty mischievous. We saw came back and was second behind, uh, second in the fairgrounds Oaks just last weekend, just a few days ago. So yeah, that form holds well. The, the two that I thought, will probably be on on my radar and some of my exotics that I think we can get a little value with are both um, Infinite Diamond and Affirmative Lady. So <laughs> Infinite Diamond was in the Darth Vader race and and she just kind of ran a weird, like a weird race. We can watch Didn't it. Didn't do because, any running. You know, it's Didn't funny. Didn't do too like much she, running. She ran at the end. Uh, it was kind of in spots, which I thought was bizarre because she got, she, towards the, the last like minute or two to post, she was getting hammered. She was getting hammered and she got bet all the way down to like seven to two. She was about three to one or so when they were loading the gate, she went off at seven to two. So infinite diamond is the two in here. Darth Vader was the nine um, who Barry liked atomically was also in here. Atomically was the four. Um, So those are a couple of horses we can keep our eyes on in this one. And is weird because I was expecting, infinite diamond to be close up in this race just based off her her recent lines she had shown speed the other times that she was on like stretching out and she wasn't even that far out of it when she was sprinting but in this race she's like inside she's not that far out of it here but she drops way back just sort of gets like outrun and just kind of takes way back from the inside here um and then late you'll see her sort of pick it up and come on again and, and like just miss third. It was like sort of a, a weird effort. Um, but Barry's horse, the, the nine Darth Vader, who was 45 to one here. 
Sat a really nice trip. And that's just what you're going to get with Darth Vader and what we've liked to see from her, Barry, in a couple different starts so far. That she's got some speed, so she's fine taking the lead. But as we saw right here, if she needs to sit third and sit off and get the jump on all the closers, that's absolutely something she can do. Yeah. I mean, on this day, people were kind of, it seemed like people were shocked that Darth Vader was going to be that forwardly place. Um and then at that price, not stopping. Yep. Um, I mean, honestly, a full disclosure: this, I used her in in the pick four and hit it twice because of this. <laughs> you know, I, I I liked Darth Vader when when I saw her, um, and I and I thought she was just overlooked. I you know, forty five to one was was. A so lot. if you look at the two back here, the yep, two moved all the way up into third. And then when the six passed Infinite Diamond, kind of kicked into another again. gear again mm -hmm. and was sort of a little bit like, it just, when I see a race like that, for especially for a horse who I was expecting to be closer up early on, I, I, I've referenced this a few times, it reminds me of a harness race sometimes. You know, <laughs> when you see a horse like showing some late energy and, and you were expecting them to be more forwardly placed, I think they're going to, at the very least, get a lot more aggressive and say, look, we got to get this horse in the race, right? Who knows how good she is, if she can win this thing, but I don't think she wants to close from way, way out of it. So let's see if we can get her more forwardly placed. Let's see if we can sit close. Um, yeah, you can forgive that effort, though. I mean, yeah. And even if it, you do, yeah. Like, it forgive wasn't it. that bad. Yeah, no. it wasn't that bad. And, and this seems like a way better spot for her anyway. Her um, two back race was really good. She beat a horse named Lynx, too, who ran third in that race, who's not bad. And we've seen in other running lines with some of these same uh, fillies. She was behind Wonder Wheel, who came back to win the Breeders' Cup. And the Alcibiades race was so bad that it's like, it's too bad to even use as a gauge. Mm -hmm. When you have a race that's that bad, just put a line right through it and don't even, like, don't even pay attention to it. It's, it's overall not bad form for Infinite Diamond. They get a little oh. jock switch, probably going to say, okay, let's try to get a little more aggressive here. And, um... And then Affirmative Lady was the other one whose figures are like a little low. But as we're talking about this race, and we don't think there are any monsters in here necessarily, if you look at her form, so her first two races are sprints, and they're not bad. She's just a little bit late in those races because she's not all that fast early. And they went pretty quick. Then she stretches out. She goes a mile and an eighth in the slop. She runs a really good race. In the grade two against Julia Shining, who had won really, really impressively prior to that. Okay. Following that, Affirmative Lady runs in the Basanda on a good track again. So twice has had to hook, you know, back-to-back -back hooked off tracks. She was third that day in a small field. It wasn't like it was a great effort, but it was fine. And then last time out, they dropped her back in. And she was against softer. She was in a maiden race. They just sort of treated her like the best horse. They had her close up. The blinkers are on. Saez jumps aboard for good connections. Like, there's a little bit, there's some ability here. She just wasn't immediately able to like jump right into graded stakes company, but she was sure close to winning a grade two as a maiden. Um, you know, I I I like I'm fine with your horse. And following her, like after that, I can make some cases for these two down here who are gonna be, you know, six, eight to one-ish or so. Yeah, I I think sacred. Uh, Wish has a chance. Finished behind Punchbowl, who's very, very, very good. Yep. Um, then went to a fast track and, and kind of blew it out, even though it was a restricted, uh, you know, maiden race. Um, there's no reason for this horse 
not to improve off of that. No. And there's no killers in this race. Not at all. This and, it, and I could see that one being in the picture somewhere at the end. Sacred Wish coming into the George Weaver barn. So that is the Gulfstream Park Oaks. It's going to go as race number 12. It'll kick off your late pick threes at Gulfstream on Saturday. A couple more races for Barry and me to discuss. First up, it's the Appleton $150,000 turf stakes race here. These ones will go a mile on turf, four-year-olds. Now, in this particular race, I thought the horse right from the rail, Barry, was a little bit yes. intriguing, right? He's pure yes. gold, coming out of the race behind Emmanuel, but he drew post 11 that day. He's got to settle way farther back. Just look at the, his form prior to that, like how much closer he liked to sit in those races. And because of that post... He tried to move inside. There was no room. He has to tip five wide in between horses, loses a little bit of momentum, but he's still trying late. And that wide post really did catch up with him. And then we've seen Emmanuel come back and run very well since and, and kind of frank that form. Yeah. Broke course record at Tampa. Yep. And he earned a big figure that day in a, a 98 buyer speed figure came back and won the grade three Canadian turf at Gulfstream on March the 4th. So yeah, it sounds like you, uh, you think he's pure gold has a good shot in this race also. Yeah. Yeah. I like the post relief here. Um, I, I think that's going to do a, a world of good for this horse to get in yes. a better spot. Um, although the horse that I would say would be my top pick would be striker. Um, I, I think this horse showed a, a really good dimension you know, or ability to go to the lead to the last time. So I, I think this one's going to be placed pretty much wherever they, they want to put this one. And as, as and, a, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. As a gambler, like I try and a handicapper, I try not to have like a, like one template for something I'm looking at, right? Every race is different. Every horse is different. I'm not True. necessarily like a, some people will say, Oh, I, I play this jockey trainer together all the time. Like that's, and and if that works for you and stuff, that's fine. I need a little bit more normally. But when I see a horse like Striker and you just have three or four or five races in a row where there's like a race and then they're off the and they're out in the layoff and then a race and then a layoff and a race and then a layoff. When they get that chance to kind of put a couple races together, I just love it. Like I always yeah. take a second look at horses like this because you just feel like, man, we know there's ability. Right, if we just got to get them out there. Bring <laughs> a few together and just get a little bit more foundation. There might be some untapped like talent that we don't even know about here, you know? Yeah, I, I like this one a lot. I, I think this is what this horse wanted to do all along, was go long on the grass. Uh, and just the fact that, you know, this horse, you know, deep, closed from deep in a six furlong race, um, you know, early on, and then showed the dimension of being on the lead going longer you know tells me this horse can do a lot of things mm -hmm. and and i and i think there's a lot of upside here i, I know the horse is five but lightly but, only five but, races so there right. been like you said there have been some issues along the way so there's a a ceiling with this horse but that you, we haven't hit yet but you can see even the 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 workout schedule the, that workout pattern looks very very good um like a horse that's doing well and putting, like you said, putting two races, you know, kind of together like this is, is definitely a positive. Striker 
Um, other one to mention in here, like Fort Washington's very honest for Shug. Wouldn't shock me to see this one run a big race who was right there with Steady on in the last couple and uh, right behind Emmanuel. And uh, yeah, if you want to throw one downfield and, and try to, to if, if you just don't like anybody in this race and you think it's just chaos, a horse you might want to consider uh, is Roaring 40s. Roaring 40s, who yeah, forwardly placed, kind of stretching out. Ran well here in January, um, went wire to wire. And, and, you know, honestly, with this kind of field, it, it's a little bit wide open. So yeah. I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't blame anybody for taking a, a shot at a big price like like Roaring 40s or any anybody that's going to be kind of forwardly placed. When we talk about horses that we like, but maybe not this time Um Dreams of tomorrow. I'm 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 talking myself in even a little bit more <laughs> to this horse as we like as I continue to look because you know you start diving in and it runs and, well every and time. the horse's form last year has come back and held up very strong with horses like a tone coming back and winning the Pegasus. Like that's a, like that race looks good. Value engineering was in that race, came back and won the the grade two at Gulfstream Park last month on the Fountain of Youth undercard. So some strong races overall, pretty good form. I'm just a little bit worried about the post and I wish there was another, like a race in February, right. Or just one more recent race to see a little bit more of, but this horse has races to get there. Um, it's just, is the post and this, the right one. You right. Know, working out a trip basically is exactly what, the, what they got to do. Or, yeah. or try to map some sort of strategy to try to win this race. But again, you know, Got to demand a price and and let it fly. Big Everest is a, a sharp horse too. That was in there. Had won four out of five. Uh, won a stakes race. So some different directions to go in this thirteenth race. The thirteenth of fourteen, and that fourteenth race on Saturday is the Grade One Florida Derby. Kentucky Derby points are on the line for this one, and the current champ, a two-year-old champ, the current. Number one gun, I think, for everyone. When you're talking <laughs> about uh, uh, the horses, you know, who are going to be favored in the Kentucky Derby right now. It's Forte, and then everybody else, and we'll see who runs well in their their next preps. So, from a horse to beat standpoint, I mean, he's the horse to beat, obviously, mm. right? Like he Usually. shows up with an A game. There's nobody else in this field that has even remotely close to the credentials as him. He's done absolutely nothing wrong. And a horse who's going to be one of like his major rivals in here, he beat pretty easily last time out in Cyclone Mischief. But if he does get beat, because this is horse racing and we know that happens mm-hmm. and crazy things happen all the time. Rich Strike. Who, who are you? Exactly, right? <laughs> who are you looking at? Who do you think will run well in here other than Forte? Honestly, I, I'm, I'm going to go out and be honest about this and, and I'm going to be a chalk-eating weasel. Because I think the only two horses worth betting or even thinking that they're going to win is Forte and Mage. I, I completely agree with Everybody you. Everybody else, Mage. I yep. can do without. <laughs> yep. And and what's great, like from, from a stable duel standpoint, there's no way Mage is going to be 10 to 1. Just because Correct. I think we're talking about what we're talking about, right? And I don't think, I think Mage probably feels like about 6. 6. 5, five, five. 6, right? Right? Maybe and even lower than that, though. And, I, I and mean, you're right. Really and I think it might be <laughs> it might be because Mage isn't five or six, ends up going off shorter. 
right? Because yep. if mo- if Mage would have just been like five or six to start, most people would go, yeah, that's probably yeah. right. That's probably right. But now everybody sees 10 to one <laughs> and is going to go, oh, Mage oh, at 10 to one, that. that's, the, that's the value here. But just from a, an upside, that second start, was very good in the Florida Derby or in the Fountain of Youth, excuse me. It was not a fast start. It was last, then had to go widest of all, was four deep up the challenge. That was his first start going long. He was three wide at the top of the lane and then he faded. But he is the type of horse who you can see taking a step forward. He's the type of horse of all of these that I think he could show more improvement that maybe we're not expecting. I think if you're trying to find some value in here, if you're trying to beat Forte, Barry and me are both on Mage. Uh, what else do you have to say about this one? Um, Fort Bragg is kind of interesting. Um, although his his running lines don't look all that great, he still has some upside here. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really not sure how he's going to get bet. It, it's, it's really interesting because he, he could definitely be like this. I, I mean, as of right now, he he could definitely be the second best horse in this race. Um, and I like, I like the San Felipe. I think that was a strong prep because I'm not, yeah, I'm not quite as really hot. Good. Practical move <laughs> has been very good in back to back, but I actually thought like, I liked Skinner going into that race. And I think Skinner mm-hmm. is the type of horse who's going to be good in a big field with like some pace to run at and go rocket ride is go rocket ride is basically mage like on the West coast, like mm-hmm. a horse who. And I think Go Rocket Ride is probably even a little bit better at this point, like just a little bit maybe more ahead of the game more than what seasoned, we've seen from yeah. Mage. But same sort of like template, really good maiden win. Throw them in graded stakes company. Take a, sing, a, see what, a swing, see what you got. And now expect a better effort from Go Rocket Ride, who we'll see in the Santa Anita Derby uh, next weekend. And then I think for Mage here too. But you're right. Fort Bragg's form is not bad. Beat Reincarnate here, who is probably going to be favored this weekend in the Arkansas Derby close. Like one, it'll be one of the, one of the favorites in that race. And you know, the other that'll take money in this race, Cyclone Mischief will obviously take a little bit of money. And, uh, WNL who didn't fire it at Tampa, you know, when we see horses do this, sometimes at Tampa, they just go out there and they just don't like the surface and just don't run at all. (laughs) Yeah, no, that definitely happens. I mean, look at, uh, Darth Vader went out there and just threw in a clunker for no reason. (laughs) Just absolutely but, no reason. But Fort Bragg, I mean, you could even see, look at his five races, right? You just look at the body of work and you see him coming off the layoff from December 17th. There's no way you can't see another improvement. And, I, I mean, the horse is definitely going to get better. It's just about how much. Yep. And it, and it wouldn't have to be much to be really competitive with a lot right. of this group. You know? Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, Forte fits the description of uh what i call like a, a a double buyer pattern basically is what it is is what i call it it was last two races the buyer number is bigger than everybody else's yeah and that's a huge huge advantage i mean i think i i can't really i don't know the numbers on it but horses that have that win an awful lot and keep in I, mind i'm talking the, like 70 percent. and the one of them the last one was his first start since the Breeders' Cup, which is usually when you play against horses, it was his first start in a five month off a five month layoff, and it was his first start as a three year old. So those are reasons why right, he, he didn't even look that good, and he I, still beat him pretty. You well. could see like it was 
it was a good spot. Everything's going really well. Like just knock on wood for him right now. Like things have right. gone. He wasn't cranked up. You know, he, he didn't like, it's not like he, he should be even better here. Out. Right. right like exactly. that's, that's what's like, what's hard about trying to beat him in this spot. And that, exactly. yes, right. He's trying to win the Kentucky Derby. Sure. But, but his path and the way better. he's if you're coming better, into you're this better. race. Yeah. You're better. You're better. And he's going to be fitter. And he's going to be more cranked up and more like more ready to peak now than he was a month ago, you know? Right. So absolutely. Yeah, we'll we'll try to find you some value, you know, throughout the card earlier in the races. But this race to me, I thought I thought it was Forte Mage. And like I don't mind. Like I don't have a problem really with Fort Bragg. No, either. you know, he's I mean in in a situation like if I'm playing a quote unquote bigger uh, pick five ticket, let's say I'm I'm gonna use Fort Bragg too. Yeah, I'll, I'll use three. Even though I, I I do think Forte is is probably superior, um, I'd probably you know go to the uh, the the turf race and single that horse. I agree. I I'm always I'm always r- rather singling like just a less even if it's a short price like a lesser name short price right, right. or a le- like a short price in a like a really like in what seems like a more wide open race that people are going to be spreading. So that doesn't feel like the single that everybody singles, because then if for some reason Forte loses, we, we want to be, we want to have an opportunity for that, right? Like we want to be able to hit that thing because that's, (laughs) that's when it's going to pay really, really well. And uh, hopefully Barry will be out at Tampa cashing some tickets there on Saturday my friend, really appreciate it, man. You uh, you helped us out with the Fountain of Youth, and you helped us out with the Florida Derby. I always gotta uh, ask your help when we're talking Gulfstream Park because I know that's uh, that's one of your homes over there and a, oh, yeah, a place absolutely. where you've had some great success through the years. So, talk to everybody else uh, about how we can follow you on social media out there. Let everybody know about going in circles and Big Mondays, and tell us uh, about some of the stuff you've been doing with Tampa. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the stuff at Tampa is going really well. Um, you know, we're winding down the season. Um, you know, uh, the last day is, is uh Derby day. And then, uh, we have two or two days of racing. Yeah. They have that, um, just that, the formality. Yeah. Yeah. Like the end of the year, right? Yep, yeah. Yep. Like to clean everything up. Uh-huh. Last, last day of the year, June 30th and July 1st. So we'll run those two days. That'll be a good time. Um, but yeah, you know, the season's been excellent. People have been coming out. I was there on Sunday for the Florida Cup Day card and it was it was pretty packed. It wasn't obviously Tampa Bay Derby packed, but it was a really good crowd. Uh the weather cooperated. It was, you know, mid to high 80s and and everybody had a good day. So uh if you're in and around the Tampa area, please come on out. You can find me on Going in Circles podcast Big Monday show every Monday. You'll usually probably see it come out on Tuesday, and then I'll tweet it out again on Wednesday or Thursday just in case people miss it. Um, on Twitter, at Urban Handicapper, U-R-B-N Handicapper. Um, but, yeah, but I, I'm always around. I'll, I'll be down at Gulfstream, uh, hopefully making the rounds this year going up to Saratoga, hopefully uh, maybe end up at the Breeders' Cup this year. So should have some fun. Beautiful and uh Barry, myself, and Matt DeSantis on Friday morning. Oh, yeah, do a live Can't stream. Forget that. Just it's just like this like we sit down, we give out our best bets. But what's cool about that is since it's just picking out whichever races we like most for the weekend, all of the horses we give out are five to one and up. It's the no yeah. chalk zone, so it's, it's right. kind of different than like any other horse racing show you'll get because, like this, 
in some of the races we're going to go through, we're looking at big races. We're going to say, oh yeah, that's a race where the favorites look tough or, you know, that's a race. that's going to be a little more formful, but we'll talk about uh, 15 races sometimes. And you don't get one horse under five to one, 15, 20 races. So we are really trying to get you prices, trying to get you some, uh, some help, some horses that could really make your day, make your weekend, make your year. That's what we want to do. And uh, we have a good time doing it. So come hang out with us every Friday this week. We won't be there. I've got a, a funeral coming up in the next few days this weekend, and, and Matt's going to be out at, at Gulfstream, and, and Barry's going to be out at Tampa this weekend. But then next week we'll be back again Friday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern time. And uh, I just spoke with Bree. She's going to have us uh, – she's going to give us the opportunity to give away uh, some money over the next, like, month or so in the morning. So that way when people are watching along, we can, like, have some contest if people want to give us the best bet for the weekend, and then we'll be able to d- uh, deposit some money right into their stable duel accounts so they can play in some games uh, over the weekend. So we'll have a lot of fun because next weekend and for the next month or so, we'll be talking all about Keeneland too, Barry. Yes, yes. Beautiful. Yes. Can't wait. Can't wait. So, that was the last year we found Santine. Yes. Oh, yeah, man. Awesome. Yeah. So really looking forward to that. Barry, buddy, I cannot thank you enough, man. Uh, every time we finish up one of these we, these chats, I just think about the last couple years and how much uh, you and I have talked, how many hours and hours and hours we've spoke about <laughs> racing and just other things and just chopped it up. Man, you are one of my best buds now. Who And I've never even seen you in person, which is hilarious to think about. <laughs> we're we're going to have to end that soon. But I know, right? Yeah, you're, you're a good dude, man. You're always here. Um, you're always honest. You're very genuine. You put in the work and uh, I just, I love, I love chatting with you, man. I always do. I always come out. Like I never, I'm never like in a bad mood after Like I always feel good. I'm always sort of like smiling. I got a good energy and uh, man, you're, you're a good dude. It's been a good couple years getting closer with you. And I'm, I'm very lucky to have you in my life. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, you're, you're the best, you know, we've become good friends. We talk a lot. We, you know, it's just, you know, there's probably one of the best things, like I said, I think I said this before, one of the best things that, that uh, came out of the pandemic was uh, me and you becoming really good friends. Man, so uh, can't can't thank you enough. And every time we have one of these talks, I think good talk and just one hour of the the many hundreds of hours in the future we'll be uh, talking just like this through the years. So thank you, my friend. Keep kicking butt out at Tampa. We'll be uh, following and and watching this you and sh- uh, watching you this weekend, showing you some support in any way that we can. And then I uh, look forward to talking with you again next week for this weekend in Stable Duel. Thanks, my man. I appreciate it. You know, I'm always around, so hit me up. (laughs) Yeah, he's one of the best. uh, Barry, the Sniper Spears. Hope everyone has a fantastic weekend this weekend. Good luck at Gulfstream Park. If you want a little bit of help with the races from Oaklawn Park, our our other buddy, our uh, our Friday partner on the This Week in Stable Duel live stream, Matt DeSantis, he joined me. We went over the four stakes races at Oaklawn, and we talked about the Arkansas Derby as well. So you can find that on social media. If you follow me, it's me, Gino B. You want a little help with the uh, the Arkansas Derby as you put your wagers together for that. Kick some butt this weekend, everyone, and I'll talk to you again very soon right here. And as we leave, we always got to say hello to one of our buddies, Joey Cleveland, rocking out the call to post.
A big thank you to Barry for helping us out with the Gulfstream Park Saturday card. Big thank you to all the fellas for talking uh, all about WrestleMania with us on the WrestleMania Roundtable. And don't forget, if you need help with Oaklawn Park Saturday stakes races, we've got a deep dive into those stakes races and the Arkansas Derby with Matt DeSantis. You can find that on the most recent podcast and also on social media if you want to follow along with us and look at the past performances. Good luck this weekend in all of your plays. If you want some help for Santa Anita stuff for uh, for Saturday, make sure to follow me on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. I'll also be posting some of those. And I'll be heading to WrestleMania this weekend, so looking forward to a, a fun Saturday as I'll be there for night one. Hope all of you have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk again real soon.